This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is feeling slightly battered and bruised after a beating at the hands of big Duncan Ferguson's Everton on Saturday. Everyone knew, but we all hoped it wouldn't happen. We feared that Everton would be inspired and galvanised by the appointment of local hero big Duncan Ferguson, and so it transpired. We kind of expected too that Everton would play in the image and style of a man who would frequently bully opponents on the pitch and when that failed would simply strangle them. The last thing Chelsea needed to do was to concede early but that's just what they did in both halves plus another one late on to come away with a 3-1 defeat and their tails dangling between their legs. The game threw up a few home truths for the players, the supporters and the manager, namely that Chelsea got too easily bullied and cannot compete with physical teams, their decision-making in defence can be like the Keystone Cops at times, and that up front they overplay it and don't work the keeper enough. The reality is that these are issues that predate this season and as a consequence will take more than one season to iron out, and as a somewhat angry Frank said post-match, shows us that This Chelsea team is very much a work in progress and has some way to go yet. I've just had a really weird random thought. Uh, I I remember a sketch show. It might have been the Fast Show that had Angry Frank, a character called Angry Frank. Somebody, somewhere, if it starts going really pear-shaped... And Frank Lampard starts getting, you know, more and more frustrated and angry. Somebody's got to do a pastiche of Angry Frank and transpose <laughs> it to Frank. What, what do you think, J.K.? Oh, yeah, good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe I, haven't seen, I haven't seen him angry for, before. It was interesting, actually. He, he was angry post match. I mean, Liam will, will, will validate yeah. this in a minute, no doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there we go. I've already given it away of who he's got on the show. But before we do, the title of tonight's show is Slam Dunked, the Chelsea Fancast number 484. Clever, Judge Clitch. As always, clever. Yes. You should you should be in advertising, Clitch. Uh, Clitch? Clitch. That's quite good. I like that. That, that is, in fact, my advertising uh, pseudonym. 
I didn't know that. Clidge. Okay, yeah. Stamford. Yeah. And it's Slamford, isn't it? Slamford Clidge. I mean, we, I used to work very near uh, Foot Cone and Belding. You know, all advertising agencies in the 80s were, were kind of acronyms. You know, mm. all, yeah, you know, it's like FCB or BB. Bartle Bogle and Hegarty, BBH for short, and DDB, Needham, and all of this. BBDO. Yeah, yeah, BBDO and all of that. It was all very much like that in the in the 80s. Uh, it's basically because they all snorted so much cocaine that they couldn't, uh, because they spoke so quickly, they couldn't actually say the words, so they had to, you know, make it BBDO or whatever. Hmm. Uh, but uh, um, me and my mates didn't like FCB, so we used to use the F and the C and the B in a very different way than foot cone and belding. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, enough of me reminiscing uh, down Baker Street Way from the 80s. Uh, you know the title of the show, Slam Dunk, the Chelsea Fancast, 484. You know that, as ever, Mr Jonathan Kidd is on the show. And how are you, Jonathan? I'm very good, thank you, Chidge. How are you? I'm having well, a mince pie, everybody. Well, it, it, I'm it, being festive. Got a mince pie in me gob at this moment. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, normally I would criticise the uh, absolute unprofessionalism that, 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 that is, but it is Christmas, so A, it's allowed, and B, I am, as, as you've already said, I'm in very good cheer tonight for some un- inexplicable reason. I think, it, I think I'm, there's, if there's a reason why I might be in such a jolly, jolly uh, frame of mind for tonight's show, God, I'm sounding like Boris Johnson there, this has got to stop. Anyway, I'm in a good mood. One of the reasons may be because we have, as our guest tonight, one of my favourite guests, it is the one, the only, straight out of Cobham, Liam Toomey, now of the parish of The Athletic. Liam, absolutely brilliant to have you on the show. Brilliant to be back. I can't even remember. What was, when was the last time? Well, I, I don't know, mate. But it I'm, might I'm... have been last season. No, 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 no. No, I, I can. I, I can and will find out, possibly while we're all talking about something else. But uh, no, we've, we've spoken to you far more recently than that. I do know. I mean, certainly since you've been on the earth. I think we spoke to you at the beginning of the season, actually. Well, yeah, and I, I saw you at the sleep out as well. You did indeed, and and a very fine piece you did on that. By the way, I haven't had a chance. I haven't seen you since, and uh, I I didn't. I just haven't got around to texting you. Say, mate, that was brilliant. It was a lovely, lovely piece. Very grateful for that. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I, I think I've just about made up the sleeps. <laughs> well, it was weird, wasn't it? I mean, I, I, as you know, because I talked to you before, I was more more bothered about how bloody cold it was going to be. Um, yeah. But I I didn't factor in was how bloody uncomfortable. It was, and boy, was it uncomfortable. But there you go. No, absolutely. Yeah. No and give it, in a concrete floor. No, there is and, not uh, and, at all. Noisy, uh, of course, Chidge, isn't it? It's very it was, noisy. You forget that the amount of noise from the streets around it's, um, isn't filtered out. It's, no. uh, it's that as well for, for home trains. Yeah, everything like and that. And the rats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, mate, don't, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Liam, I can confirm that you were with us last uh Certainly, I don't know if it was the last time you were with us, but on October the 14th. Oh, bloody hell, that's a lot more recently than I thought. It is. You see, they're working you so hard at The <laughs> Athletic that you, you, you know, your mental faculties are already receding, mate. Anyway, how is it going there? It's good. It's good. It's um, Yeah, I mean, it, wherever you're working, it's super busy at this time of year, just because there are so many, so many games and so many press conferences. But um, covering Chelsea with Simon Johnson eases the the burden on on each of us i think a little bit because we we can split the workload and and as long as we make sure we're we're not pestering the same people and and writing about the same things it, it's all good but um yeah it's going really really well it's a lot of fun we've we've just ventured into podcasting largely so we can 
spend 40 minutes a week plugging our own work <laughs> <laughs> well um, as, uh, who, who would do that i would never do that ever, ever. if anybody would do that that's really weird <laughs> brilliant and you you uh dom firefield and simon johnson are the three chelsea journos on there right yeah and, and matt davis adams who does the chelsea tv commentary he's he's hosting mm. um and yeah, there'll be a little bit of squad rotation throughout the season, depending on who's available. And we, get we're hoping, yeah, we're hoping to try and get some guests on as well. So uh, I'm so glad Jonathan that. said that, so I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> he he is, of course, my agent, as you well yeah. know, Liam. <laughs> he's my he's my agent as well. That's a clear conflict <laughs> <Yeah>. of interest. <laughs> he was mine first, anyway. Enough, <laughs> uh, Liam. As always, mate, it's absolutely brilliant uh, to to have you on the show. Oh, there's one thing actually, I forgot to ask you. What were you doing today? Oh, not oh, it's not today. Um, over the weekend. Oh yeah. Today I was recording the podcast, but um, on Saturday I, I wasn't at Goodison Park. Um, Simon was there. I was in St Albans at the Nissan car dealership, speaking to Jose Basingua, uh, which. <laughs> Made made me feel like I was in an episode of Alan Partridge, um, but it, it was yeah it was a, a surreal day, but but quite a fun day as well. Dare, dare I dare I ask the obvious question? What on earth was is, is Joseph uh, Basinga doing in a Nissan car dealership? It was the uh, UEFA Champions League trophy tour, so they're they're taking the Champions League trophy on a tour around Europe, and and clearly thought St Albans was a was a key stop. Right. Um, and and Nissan, I think, are, are big UEFA partners, so that that's why it took place there. And Basingwa these days, he, he he retired a couple of years ago. He's he's one of the UEFA ambassadors. Um, so he was being chaperoned around, pictures of of him taken behind the wheel, a special uh, Nissan branded tracksuit. Did you and, get to? Uh, did you get to talk to him and interview him? And talk to him about Chelsea at all? Yeah, yeah, I spoke to him for about ten fifteen minutes about Chelsea. Um, just about different things, memories of players he played with or with and against, uh, a little bit of 2012 stuff, and um, yeah, there, there, there'll be things coming out of that in the in the next few weeks. We're not exactly sure when when we'll be running them yet because they're a little bit more, a little bit less time sensitive. Where there's there's a lot of time sensitive stuff happening at this time of year. So yes, there is we'll, indeed. We'll yeah. Find a good we'll find a good point to uh, to to let people read it. But um, yeah, it was it was fun. I'd love to. I'd love to talk to Jose Brazilian, not just to thank him for three things, ostensibly. One is karate or kung fu kicking. Uh, I think it was Yossi Benayoun, wasn't it, when he was playing it for was, Liverpool? Yeah. yeah, that that will be permanently etched in my memory in a good way. It's one of the images I hope to see before I die. Actually, uh, he the didn't other even is get booked for that. You what? He didn't even get booked for that. No, he didn't. Well, quite right. It's never a booking. Um, <laughs> The other thing, of course, is him absolutely stealing the glory and the limelight uh, when we lifted the Champions League trophy. Oh, which are... Amazing. I, I mean, the irony was not lost on me, the fact that not seven years later, he's still attached to the Champions League trophy. Yeah. Uh, it, where it is, he is. Because I, that was my first season covering Chelsea full time. And as you know, Stamford Bridge was covered in pictures of the celebrations. And he... It, it was really, really impressive how he managed to put himself front and centre of every single one. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, of course, the, the the last but not by no means the least m- memorable uh, legendary Bosoga thing is the fact he went to QPR and absolutely mugged them off, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there were there there were reports. I didn't ask him about this, but there there were reports at the time that he uh, took to bringing his Champions League winners' medal to training, <laughs> which you can which you can imagine was. Uh, 
fantastic for morale in the middle of a relegation battle. I mean, I'd love to interview. I mean, he sounds like an absolute character. Well, well done, well done. I look forward to reading that. Then that's coming out soon. I hope. Anyway, uh, we we are now officially at the longest ever preamble of the Chelsea fancast in nigh on twelve years and 484 shows. So I, I salute both you, Liam, and Jonathan for that. Well I, done. I've said very little change. It's been Liam. and that, them Fantastic stories they are, though. The, the, I, I never knew about that. I don't know why I've missed the whole Beswinger thing. I had no idea that he was uh, so prominently involved by sticking himself to the trophy. I don't know how I missed that. Well, Perhaps I I was just, it was the, the joy of winning the trophy. I didn't care who was hanging around the trophy all the time. I was just, I was just t- so taken aback and wandering around sobbing quietly into the night as was always the case when we won the champions league so yeah there you go all right right okay we better get on with things because it is time is a moving on uh right on the show tonight uh we're going to kick off proceedings to discuss the ramifications of the transfer ban being lifted of course jonathan and i dipped into that last friday on the love sports show but uh should chelsea buy and if so who and what in terms of position uh, I mean, obviously, they'll presumably they'll be human beings if they buy anybody. And uh, and how will this affect youth development? Uh, in part two, we look back at the loss to Everton. Yes, I'm sorry, we do have to. And uh, we're going to discuss the lack of physicality, which I think is a big issue. Uh, poor finishing, which is a big issue, both of which Frank definitely uh, mentioned in the post-match presser, and the woeful defending as well. Uh, and ask, with three defeats in the last four matches, what does Frank have to do to turn it round. So there you go. And in part four, oh no, I missed out on part three. Part three, we've got the uh, we've got a few parish notices as ever. Uh, we've got a look at the weekend's who knows wins match prediction league, which is poised perfectly tonight. The reason being that the last match in the who knows wins match prediction league for this week is West Ham Arsenal. And, and I'll tell you more about it when we get there. I won't spoil it now. And uh, we're also, of course, we're going to have a look to look ahead to tomorrow night's Champions League match against Lille. And we're going to wrap up this week uh, in part four by reading out a plethora of emails. There are many and they are all great, of course, as they always are. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 p.m. by going to mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. In other words, Mixler. Dot com where you can join in the chat uh, and you can do that by posting in the live chat room as so many of you do uh, you can also tweet at Chelsea Fancast during the show tell us what you think about anything you like there are loads of people bloody hell there's loads of people in there this week uh, we've got some uh, well we've got Ben Short uh, who of course phoned us up uh, on Friday night Jonathan and he's he's in Mixler and there's more to come from here later because he sent us an email uh, Disco Donny or Donny Joanno as I now know how to pronounce his name Benji Toe Benji in Barna, uh, Stuart Kinner, the legend that is Stuart Kinner. I hope you're well, mate. I haven't seen you for ages, but uh, I hope you got my email the other day. Perhaps you'll let me know on here. John Marshall, Adam Finnegan, Kurt, Planet Earth is Blue, and the absolutely delightful Claire McDonnell. Sorry, McConnell. What am I talking about? Can't bloody read. Matthew the American. Happy Bird, Nigel Bird's in the house. Oh, there's so many. I could go on all night just reading names from Mixler, but it annoys some people, so I won't carry on. But we will be carrying on after this very short break. Okay, some sad news to report, but some of you may know that John Whitehead, a.k.a. Don John Inglesias on Twitter, passed away last week. What many won't know was that he was terminally ill with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, a ferocious lung disease. Despite this, John never let this dull his passion for his family, life and love of football. Although born in Spain, he was raised within a gold kick of Stamford Bridge, and this began his lifelong love affair with his beloved Chelsea, whom he followed over land and sea, and Leicester, 
for six decades. John's last game was Lille away in his wheelchair and struggling severely with his breathing. He cheered on his team to victory. As a fitting tribute to this young father and husband, a true blue, uh, we're organising... Uh, well, actually, a lot of a lot of people have got together to suggest this. We didn't uh, suggest this. It was mainly a lovely bloke called Andy the Fireman, who you may also know on Twitter. But uh, they're organising a minute's applause on the 57th minute on Tuesday against Lille. OK, so if you're at the game, 57 minutes, big round of applause for John Whitehead. Uh, now, when discussing this, John's wife, Catherine, said that if he was here today, he'd say this was the best thing to ever happen to him in his life. So as only Chelsea can, let's give John a proper Chelsea send-off that his family can remember, please. So as I said, if you're at the game tomorrow night, uh, there'll be a round of applause, hopefully echoing round the, ga- uh, the ground for John Whitehead on the 57th minute. So do get behind it uh, and spread the word, because obviously the more people that do it, uh, the more we can appreci- appreciate a fine man, actually. Um, I followed him on Twitter for quite a while, and he was a very engaging chap. Uh, very argumentative. He was very funny with it too, actually. But uh, his, he, his heart was clearly always in the right place. And uh, anyway, he's a, a proper Chelsea supporter and, and a true blue, as, as they said. So, uh, John, so so sad to hear the news last week when I when I heard the news. Uh, but uh, rest in peace, my friend. And as I said, everybody get behind it. 57th minute tomorrow night at Lille. Give John a great send-off and a round of applause. Thanks, people. Right. Uh, yes, um, I, I kind of moaned about this on Friday on the Love Sports Show. Uh, really, I moaned about it because it meant I had to change the running order at the last minute. But Chelsea announced on Friday that, uh, or, or Cass announced, and I suppose Chelsea announced too, on Friday that the transfer ban has been uh, rescinded, or half of it has. We've served uh, the kind of rejigged ban, uh, which means basically, in the short, we can buy players uh, in the January transfer market and don't have to wait until uh, the summer which is what everybody was working on under the assumption of uh, earlier in the season uh, first thing I want to pick up I mean I, I mean you know talk about serendipity we, we might not get Liam on much which is down to he's a very busy boy plus the fact that I kind of spread the love around on this show and I rotate uh, the people on here quite a lot and I cut down to three because I think three works better. Blah, 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 boring, boring, boring. But I'll tell you what, whenever we do get Liam on, I can guarantee you that there'll be something mega to talk about which he will know a lot more about than us. I hear you all shout, well, that wouldn't be hard and you'd probably be right. But uh, but there you go. Um, so the first thing I'm going to do is ask Liam what he thought of what I thought was Chelsea's rather acerbic statement on Friday. It was very angry, wasn't it? Mm. I was. I was glad to see it. I have to say, fair play to them. I thought. Well, we'd been we'd been hearing noises for a little while. I mean, Ch- Chelsea were very reluctant to say anything while this whole process was ongoing. Um, they've kept the statements to a minimum, uh, but we were hearing noises that when UEFA announced that Manchester City had only been given a fine for for similar, not the same, similar breaches of of transfer rules regarding um under 18 players 
we'd heard we'd heard noises that Chelsea were really not happy about that and that basically City had had benefited from timing <laughs> the the rules had sort of changed overnight and there was now and and they took advantage of a possibility to to sort of plead guilty and and pick their punishment where Chelsea didn't have that option um as it was Chelsea were were very forthright throughout that that they felt that FIFA had had overstepped their bounds um wrote a piece about this a couple of months ago about the sort of definitions of organized football um and and the definitions of a trialist and there were there was a feeling at Chelsea that that FIFA were trying to sort of move the goalposts as to what those things um mean and uh and we don't know the details yet that's the main thing to say because CAS haven't released the written, full written reasons for their judgment they'll do that in the new year I'm told but um they it, they they did confirm that they uh, overturned two thirds of the the cases that that FIFA found to be in breach. So that suggests there was something kind of sy- systemic that that FIFA interpreted one way and and CAS interpreted another. Um, and and while the the decision that CAS released said partially upholds you know, FIFA's decision. Chelsea are treating this as an unequivocal victory. They they always felt confident that they could get the ban reduced. Um, and and that's exactly what's happened. And now they they were talking to agents the whole time. They were the, the recruitment process didn't stop. It never stops at a club like Chelsea. And and now they have that option to to go into the market and, and you've seen from what Frank Lampard has said in the last sort of few days, a couple of weeks that he, he's he's minded to do that if the right opportunity is there, and 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 recent results suggest that Chelsea maybe need to as well. Well, well, let, let's kick off with that. That's brilliantly, and thank you for giving us a bit of depth on that. Uh, I mean, we we literally had only just seen it when we went on air last Friday, so we didn't really have much time to process it. But Jonathan, I think the first question is, you know, should we nail this one? Does the squad need strengthening? I I think you'd you'd be you know, fairly stupid if you didn't think it did. But I, I don't mean to preempt you now saying, well, no, it doesn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think the timing has been that you would now immediately jump to that conclusion, wouldn't you? I think if it had been a month ago, I think when, we, when this was being mooted, they might have the the, uh, the ban rescinded. We actually debated this and said did, it might yeah. affect the morale of the team because they were all doing so well. But then to have been shown up, I mean, especially at the weekend where it looked like amateur night out. And you suddenly thought these players aren't strong enough to deal with this. And all that happened was that, you know, the Everton side went up. We're going to talk about this. They went up, you know, 50 percent and basically, as you say, played like a facsimile of Duncan Ferguson. But the fact that they didn't deal with it makes you realise that there are distinct problems. I think the the pressure of the uh, uh, of tomorrow night's result will also be very significant because, as I've said all along, if they got out of the group stage and they had the ban rescinded, they're in a very good position to improve the squad to go even further in the Champions League, which will, of course, um, get them more dosh and allow them to be in a position where they could uh, they could improve the team even more. And also, I think the further they go in the Champions League, um, the more experience all the kids will have. So I don't want to, to diss any of the kids, but it's become very obvious after the West Ham game that four of the team in that you need depth because in the reserves weren't good enough and uh, slightly embarrassingly several of the people that we presumed were nailed on first teamers after the game at the weekend you'd now have to have your doubts about 
And I think this is one of the reasons that Frank was so angry was that uh, um, they didn't show up. And you're now thinking, well, does he need to, to replace more than we'd even thought? Um, uh, but I have to say, I don't think any of the uh, any of the youths had a problem at the weekend, as we'll get on to. Yeah, I think it was yeah. the more experienced players who were well, the problem. Let's let's broaden that that out a bit because I, I I think there there are many things that you say in that 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 make a, a lot of sense. Um, I think particularly in, in view of the of the Champions League. I mean, I'll ask Liam first. I mean, to be really honest, just to kind of tease it a bit, I, I do think we need to strengthen. But I think, um, you know, Jonathan's point about the Champions League is very salient and. I also think this this whole idea, uh, uh, this is something we will do a bit more in part two, but the idea of the whole physicality and stuff. I mean, I, I actually think that a lot of the things that we saw that have been going wrong in the last few games are not things that are, that, are, that are unique to this season. These are things that have grown into the club over the last few years. And therefore, I think it will take a few years to you know, change that, whether it be personnel, whether it be mindset, whether it be culture, whatever. Um, and I don't think you can do that in in just one January transfer window, let alone a summer one. I think this is going to take quite a while to sort out. So I would countenance against wholesale changes. I don't actually believe you can do that in January anyway. But I, I, what I do want is to see whatever changes we do make or any strengthening we do make to be stepped, planned and thought through. So what do you think? Which way do you think it's going to go? Well, I think, um, you know, Lampard has, has staked a lot on this youth movement in the first few months of his of his tenure, it has really become his calling card. The fact that Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, Fikayo Tamori have, have all become regular starters, and now you've got Reese James and, and Callum Hudson Odoi emerging as well. Um, he, he Lampard clearly has a leaning towards youth and and energy, and I think he he will be careful to maintain a balance. Chelsea know that there is a balance to be struck here. That the, those six, those six months effectively under under a transfer ban were almost a blessing in disguise because of the progress these guys have made and you don't want to be going out buying four or five players um, for big price tags and big wages that will that will block their path. But I think what we've seen is maybe there aren't as many options. The squad isn't quite as deep in terms of quality as as we might have thought a few weeks ago when everything was when everything was going well and Chelsea were riding the crest of a wave. And also, as you say, I think it has crept into the squad in, in the last few years. Chelsea are a very different team to the, the the sort of first golden age under under Abramovich when they were a real physically imposing power team. You look at the, the 11 that played at Goodison Park and from the midfield forwards, um, apart from Tammy Abraham, there isn't anyone over six foot. And, and and they're quite a lot of quite slight players, um, and 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 you will get times when you can maybe be outmuscled and outfought by by more physical teams. And I thought Everton did a fantastic job. I thought in particular their their three creative midfielders worked incredibly hard to 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 really make Chelsea suffer in possession and 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 give the ball up in bad areas. Um, but the, in in terms of January and, and and transfers, I think they will look to do business. We've we you know that some of the targets have been reported. Whether they can actually get them is another thing, because as you say, the January market is not the time to do your headline business. Um, 
but I think they will look to improve and and they should, but it will be around the edges of this young core. So, so what, what do you reckon? Who, who are they? I mean, I, I, there are two questions I really want to ask. One is, you know, okay, then who and what, but also I, I want to have a longer chat about, you know, our expectations and the strategy, but let, let's, let's kind of do it. Ask about face who and what? Well, I think they've been, they've been looking at Ben Chilwell. Um, Simon wrote that last week that he's their first choice at left back. Now, you could easily turn that around and go, why would Leicester sell? Yeah, well, why? To, to, exactly. Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, all we were reporting was that Chelsea are interested in him and that he's top of their list, not that the deal will happen. There, there, there is very little interest. There, there is very little incentive for Leicester to do a deal in January or even next summer for Chilwell, given how well he's playing. But they have shown that they can that they, they can sell be bought players in in the past. Yeah. They can be bought. If, if they think they've got somebody who can come in and do a job, then they can be. I, I just wonder if maybe what Chelsea are doing, it's, it's kind of like a, a a legal version of tapping up in a sense. They're trying to soften him up for the summer rather than get him in January. Well, I mean, that, that, that can be done. Top clubs do that all the time. You, you sort of lay the groundwork. These days, particularly big deals um, do not happen within a couple of weeks. They are done in a matter of months. There is a that there is a systematic charm offensive. You see this all the time with Real Madrid and Barcelona, how they court players sometimes a year ahead of time. Um, so that, that that can certainly happen. And Chelsea will be long-term planning, not just for January, but for next summer. They they, they would have been planning for, for next summer before this decision was announced. So that, that, that in itself doesn't change much. The, the, the interesting possibilities are that... Um, if you think they need someone on the wing, and we'll see it, if Chelsea feel that they that they really do, um, but Wilfred Zaha is clearly very available for the right price. Um, mm. Whether that's the right price for Chelsea is another thing, but he clearly still really wants out of of Crystal Palace. Um, so I think a, I think he's a top player, Zaha. I think he really is excellent. Yeah, and I, and and people, I think people point to the sort of baseline stats that he's recorded at Crystal Palace and, and particularly this season and said, said it's a little bit underwhelming but you have to think about the context and the, and the team he's functioning in in a better team I think he would be a lot more effective um, week to week but he, he's certainly a big talent and um, I think one that will be probably on the move in January regardless um, and then you're looking at I mean everyone is obviously talking about Jaden Sancho the whole of Europe is interested in him the 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 links with Chelsea historically are quite tantalising in terms of he supported them as a boy he's he's friends with half of the young core but mm. the thing is if you if you bring in a winger what does that do for Christian Pulisic who suddenly burst on burst out in the last sort of month or so and what does it does do William might be off though sorry to interrupt you uh, Liam but does it not mean that 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 William is would be sacrificed in that instance well I think he uh, he. He wouldn't be immediately if if any deal was done in January. I think Willian will will be at Chelsea for the rest of the season. Pedro is another question, um, but yeah, there, there's certainly a there, there's certainly a pretty decent chance that neither of them are at Stamford Bridge next year. So you you would be looking for another winger, but whether that needs to be an eighty to a hundred million pounds winger uh, is is another thing entirely. Do you know what I see? I I I think the money is irrelevant at the moment. I really do because the market is so skewed. And of course, we're sitting ducks because everybody knows that we want to buy people. I think you have to like just take take the context of the money completely out of our heads. You know, if we want a player and they're available and we can get them, you get them. 
There, there shouldn't be any of this. Oh yeah, but we shouldn't be paying eighty million for Zaha. He's not worth that. It's not. It's irrelevant. If they want him, then he's worth it. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's the approach Liverpool have taken yeah. uh, in building this title team. You know, they they could have gone when when Southampton rebuffed them over Virgil Van Dijk and made them wait six months and issue a public apology. They could have gone out and signed another centre back, number two, number three on their list, but they didn't because they were absolutely 100% sure that Van Dijk was a, a transformative defender who would change their team, and they, they've been proved right. Mm. So um, I, the burning question for me, I, I, I'm funny, I've just, I have just written a piece about all this, but I couldn't figure out, I, I posed the question rather than attempting to answer it, because you see, you know, I'm not a proper journalist, journalist like you, Liam, so I, I, I don't get paid to give the answers. I, I just get paid to ask some questions. So my question to you is, has the club strategy changed? By which I mean, historically for the last few years, it's been very much kind of one in, one out. It's been uh, not uh, giving contracts to uh, over 30-year-olds for over a year on the whole. Uh, and it's been pissing away too much money on squad players who like Danny Dinkwater, who who sit on the bench are, are no use to man nor beast. And I would call them, I mean, it'd be cruel to call them vanity purchases by various managers that we've had, but certainly security purchases, perhaps, and getting players that they know and love. Um, so has that changed to, to be a more kind of uh, surgical strategy, like Liverpool's, where they identify absolutely what they need to fill the hole and complement and supplement the squad and they'll do whatever they have to do to get it rather than as you say going down this plan b plan c plan d thing which is what we have done in the past when we've decided not to be mugged off and and will that strategy or has that strategy evolved to make sure that whoever we buy doesn't bed block doesn't hinder the progress of the youth that they've identified that are capable of competing and playing in the premier league and the champions league well, I think there's there's a, there's a bit to unpack there. I think. Sorry, mate. No, it's, no, it's all right. I think um, uh, it's too soon to tell whether the approach has, has changed because they've been forced artificially to sit out of the market for the last window or so. But there's, I think, there's a recognition at the club with the the emergence of this young English core that they might have actually saved Chelsea an awful lot of money in the years to come because if they do all develop into, into at the very least, significant squad players and, and with three or four really key starters, then you you can change your approach and you can focus on quality rather than quantity, which is, you know, quantity was Danny Drinkwater. It was... Um, Zappacosta. Like, yeah, exactly. David Zappacosta, transfers like that, just filling out the, the squad. It, the You've also got to remember that all these guys coming through has, has massively eased the, um, the the sort of homegrown player crisis that Chelsea had for a couple of years. But that's not going to be a problem for the foreseeable future now. So you can go out and you can spend on the right um, top players to go around it. And I think che- that's what Chelsea will do. I think in terms of the players they target um, within that top bracket, I think it will continue to be players on the way up within between the ages of sort of 19 to 24 because that's what Chelsea did really well in building the the 2015 2017 title teams um and also of course getting the likes of Salah De Bruyne Lukaku through the door um so I think they're going to go back to that 
and and get players that they can develop with this young core into superstars at, at Stamford Bridge. And then, you know, in terms of who's actually setting the agenda, it's still Marina Granovskaya, Roman Abramovich, Scott McLaughlin, the head of international scouting. You've got Petr Cech has a seat at the table in, in a sort of advisory capacity and, and the manager has a voice. And I think the difference now is that with Lampard, you have a manager who will be voicing that desire for players not to be blocked. You know, that will always be said in those meetings because Lampard has, like I said, staked a lot of his reputation and and clearly established a philosophy of trying to build this team around the the fruits of, of the Cobham Academy. And I, I don't I don't see why that will change. I think that the balance will be um in in his hands. It's the first manager, isn't it, who's done that? Because every, all the other managers would come in and not trust any of the youth but, and just want to get players that they knew from the leagues that they'd played in because they're trying to protect their jobs. And at the same time, they're trying, they're trying to get success. So they don't know anybody from the youth, so they're not going to give them a go and they're not even going to watch them. Whereas in this instance, it's based upon this. The philosophy is that the youth are completely involved in this setup. And and I, I don't know, in a sense, we shouldn't be talking about uh, just these five that have come through, because I think there are, um, it's a conduit for, for even more from the from the youth teams coming through. And I, and they, they are completely aware of that. You know, I was so impressed with Matson, for example, who I think will become a, a, a fullback for the, over the next two years. It's going to take him that long to get in. But in the meantime, of course, they're, they're going to buy somebody. And the dilemma is, 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 he, is he slightly preventing them from uh, preventing these the, the newbies from gaining access? And it's a very delicate balance that the club are going to have to play. But I think, as you say, they'll, they'll do it by getting in players between 19 to 25. I suspect, though, they, will, they might make a, a marquee signing. They might find one. I'm not convinced that'll be the case. I think he's more likely to, to. I think that might destroy the equilibrium if they buy a big star. But um, uh, no, I, I'm 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 intrigued as to see who they could buy um, uh, at Christmas um, in January, and I'm also intrigued to see who they're going to get rid of because, um, according to Ron, my friend Ron. <laughs> Uh, s- several of them are on the way. In Go on, January. then. What's what's Ron got to say, mate? Um, Pedro definitely out the window. Christmas. Uh, yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his big thing, of course, I don't know if you've heard this one, uh, Liam, is Emerson, because Emerson has in fact wants away, and has asked for more money deliberately to be given the elbow. He wants out, and this is one of the reasons why Aspilicueta is playing left back. It's not because Emerson isn't being chosen, um, because it's not being chosen because he's not playing well enough. It's because he wants out. And so Dave at the moment is the go to. I thought Dave was very poor against Everton again at the weekend. And uh, so I just think he's temporary. And I think ultimately he may be uh, sacrificed and become a squad player because uh, uh, James is absolutely a, a, a shoe in at right back. He's excellent. Um, and for the future, but the uh, um, Alonso, he doesn't. Frank doesn't rate at all, and that's the end of that for Alonso. So whether he goes or not, I think well, we, I wouldn't be surprised to see him disappear at, at January as well. In which case, they've got you know that's already three players um, that they, they'd have to to find replacements for. So I think that's on the cards. And the other one that uh, Ron mentioned was Barkley, who uh, 
Frank has apparently lost all patience with, despite his sort of appearing and running up and down the line a few times. Um, and I think his head isn't in the right place at all because of all these these uh, extracurricular excursions into nightclubs. And the other one um, is that he really isn't happy with, as I think you just have to look at his body language, is, of course, Kepper, um, who uh, uh, they cannot carry on um, uh carrying really they they've they, they either need to get somebody in to to, to be his um what are you going to say chid you took a uh, yeah i did i did I, was, I just thought of a joke you know they'd be make a great it would make a great film wouldn't it carry on kepper yeah yeah not impressed with that one jk i'm very sad about that yeah sorry about that, Ca- not carry there. on jk no i just yeah carry on jk oh clever that's clever that was good chid um uh <laughs> no what well, no, it's just because the Ron's rumour was that, um, of course, that uh, goalkeeping coach Given was coming in. I'm not seeing the sign of that at the moment. But um, I think, as we discussed on Friday, to bring in uh, a- another keeper who was decent to at least put pressure on Kepper and have an alternative to somebody being played. I think we mentioned that most clubs have got three to choose from and we've only got the two. So I think that is immensely probable as well in the transfer window but also something i don't know we're going to get onto this later something has to be done about the madness of having um a goalkeeper who just doesn't is is making too many errors in normally in this this in the premier league at this level of professionalism they don't continue in the first team much longer and there's a replacement, regardless of how much money was paid for him. You cannot have, as people have been saying, well, we paid 71 million for him. You've got to give him a chance. No, it doesn't work like that in business. I'm sorry. If they don't, if they're not providing the necessary. No, so it's elite. It's elite sport, JK. It's elite sport. You know, Absolutely. if you can't cut it, you, you're yeah. not good enough. Out you go. It's not. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. you know, I mean, there are, there is always nuance and context around that. It's yes. not, I mean, you know, it's, this is not a. Uh, you know, football manager or FIFA not 2019. But, you know, ultimately, if you're not, if you can't make it at that level, then then you get replaced by somebody who can do it. I think that it's very interesting to hear you say that. Listen, just to kind of wrap this up, a couple of things. First of all, I'm interested by what Liam had to say about the fact that they very much want to focus on recruiting, you know, players in the 19 to 24 year old bracket, because I think one thing that they do need, and I think one thing that would complement uh, and be very helpful to the core of the team, which it looks like will be young homegrown talent, would be some really good experience. And you don't get that from 90 to 24-year-old players. But I also think the other area where we're lacking is genuine world-class in some areas. And I I would like to to see them look for that. But I accept that they're not going to get that in January. But there you go. Um, Right, we got a wonderful email from the lovely Chain. People will know Chain. He emails in quite a lot. And we had the absolute... Uh, pleasure and delight to meet him in the cock inn would you believe uh, a couple of weeks ago and he sent he said he, he's written this decision tree which i know the boys can see because it's in their script I, I i think it's hilarious you know what a decision tree is it's like a yes no thing so it says decision tree are they cup tied yes and he said written he said he, he wrote something then scribbled it out, out and said that's not a thing because he heard like i heard that it's not a thing anymore no are they better than every other player we have who can play that position Yes. Are they less than 200 million? No. Don't fucking buy them. And then, if are they less than 200 million? No. Are they the best? I can't... He's that cut off very sadly. And then if it's a yes, are they less than 200 million? Buy them. I thought that was very funny. I really wish I could see the bottom of it, Shane, but never mind. Anyway, um, it will it will run and run and run this. I mean, one thing that I can guarantee to Jarl 
is that we are going to be, we already are being bombarded hideously with all sorts of errant nonsense. And this is not not, not an accusation I would ever uh, level at Liam, that's for sure. But, you know, Talk Sport, for example, running a headline news story today. This just shows the moral and intellectual bankruptcy of that organisation. They had the temerity to say, Leicester have signed or are agreeing a new deal with James Madison for five years, rumoured to have been linked with... Who? Nobody! No, there are no... There's nobody... Not even fucking people in the Amazon rainforest have linked James Madison to bloody Chelsea. What planet are they living on? But, of course, it gets clicks, doesn't it? So we're going to be faced with a bombardment of nonsense like that for ages. And the one good thing about the transfer ban other than bringing the youth through was the fact that we managed to avoid all that ridiculousness for ages. Anyway, I'm going to... Go on, go on, mate. Save me before I blow up. No, 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 tell me. But actually, I'm going to talk about exactly the same thing. I'm going to blow up with you. Let's blow up together. Can somebody tell me, what is the attraction of Nathan Ake? Please, somebody tell me. What am I missing? He's not very big. He seems to give a lot of goals. They score a lot against him for Bournemouth. And occasionally he gets into the penalty area and scores. What? What? We sold him. Why would we want to buy him back? I don't get it. Sorry. Somebody explain to me why we're always linked with him. Why? <laughs> I think on that point we should move on before Jonathan and I both combust. Uh, although actually the, the, the upside of that is that Liam would then carry on on his own and do a much better job than both of us put together. But there you go. Right. In part two, we're going to look back at the uh, defeat to Everton and discuss the uh, picking up on what I've just been talking about there, really. The lack of physicality, certainly, uh, and poor finishing and the woeful defending. And ask, uh, with three defeats in the last four matches, what does Frank have to do to turn it round? fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast Total Nutters and Proper Chelsea Footballfancast.com Alright welcome back uh, this is Stanford Chidge and the Chelsea Fancast uh, slam dunked number 484 if you've already forgotten uh, quick shout out uh, to uh, check out the Chelsea Fancast website which is chelseafancast.com you can find everything that we do there blogs, uh, all the podcasts a bit on the Chelsea special interviews with the ex-players, all sorts of goodies there and uh, some jolly fine lovely people who do a bit of writing for us along the way um, I mean I know, I know I've given the boys all sorts of they've got all sorts of information here uh, which I will I will tr- hopefully refer back to uh, rather than go through. But I think the first the first thing really, I mean, Jonathan and I was we were all saying it on Friday night. Me, Jonathan, and Clayton, Liam on the Love Sports Show. Uh, although, of course, all of us predicted that Chelsea would win. I mark you, but we all predicted that there was going to be a manager bounce with Big Dunk coming in, and uh, he didn't let us down, did he? No, not at all. Uh, a, a big ball boy hugging manager bounce. Uh, <laughs> be careful how you say that <laughs> i won't try i won't try it again um yeah it was it was exactly what we expected from everton and i think that's part of the reason why lampard was so frustrated afterwards because he predicted this he said you know these are the kind of situations where players rally a club rallies the fan rallies the fans rally and and you have to be ready for that and Chelsea, I think, you know, we've seen a, a pattern emerging in the last couple of weeks where they get caught cold at the start of 
halves. And and that wasn't happening early in the season. They were starting games really quickly. That was a, that was one of the big strengths of of the early Lampard era was that they would always start with good intensity. And whether they scored or not in the first half, they would generally score quite early in the second because they'd come out after half time with sort of renewed determination. And and at Goodison, they 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 were sloppy at the start of each half. They didn't look like they were prepared for for Everton's physicality and intensity. Um, I, I think the, the, the first goal, yeah, it's not a great goal to concede, but I think it's actually quite a good good goal from Everton. They, they sprang forward really quickly, pulled Chelsea's defenders around. Um, you can't give up an uncontested header in the middle of the six-yard box, and it's not the first time we've said that about Chelsea this season. Uh, but the goals two and three are absolutely farcical. And um, to be fair, Chelsea haven't conceded too many goals like that this year. It hasn't generally been that bad. I think the thing, the thing is, Liam. Though I mean, and Frank Frank said this. He said we conceded three horrible goals. The last thing we want to do is go down so early. And I mean, that that was my point, really. The last thing you wanted to do, uh, and Everton, in spite of all the brouhaha about big dunk, they would have been really nervous. So that they score that first goal, and and number one, it, it absolutely revs them up. They suddenly confidence is full, and, you know, flying through their veins. Everything that big dunk said to them, they're starting to believe. And then secondly, in terms of their, their game management, they just have to sit back and, and hit us on the break, which is pretty much what they did, as all teams will do against us, and, you know, play with 11 men behind the ball. So it was the worst possible thing to happen. And then it was compounded again in the second half, worst possible start of the second half, by which time it was always going to be an uphill battle. It was. and I th- But I think Chelsea actually... Because I, I obviously missed the game um, on Saturday on account of Basingwa, but I watched it in full... Another thing to blame him for. <laughs> I watched it in full on Sunday and and sort of 24 hours removed from, from, from events and from the Twitter storm. I thought Chelsea's response to each goal was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they responded in the right way, but it's just you, when you give away goals like that at the beginning of a half of football, um, it just makes it really, really difficult in the Premier League. You you, you can't gift things to, to, to teams in the Premier League and... and and any team, when they are when they are as on it and as determined and as as fighting for every ball as Everton were, can give you a really really hard game. And so I thought it was a good performance from them. But um, Chelsea were just undone by not not even the entire game, but just sort of isolated moments of of carelessness. But there were also I think a couple of systemic things um, that that were a problem. I think we. A recurring theme this season is that midfielders running into the box um, go, basically go unchecked by the Chelsea defence. The centre-backs don't pick them up and the, the defensive midfielders don't track them. And I think that's the downside of having really ball-playing, progressive defensive midfielders like Kovacic. Even Kante, actually, it's not a big strength of his game to, to track um, midfielders back into his own box. And Jorginho isn't very good at it either. And that's something maybe Chelsea have to look at um, in the transfer market because it, it, Tom Davis almost scored a goal in the second half of that game with a virtually identical run to the one Richarlison made in the first. And, and there, Chelsea will obviously be playing better teams than Everton this season and, and, and you can't give up those sorts of chances. And we see it so many times. and I, I think this also a little bit uh, speaks to the physicality Issues. It's not just uh, the defence. Where I mean, Jonathan Christensen was just. I mean, I've often. I mean, I like him a lot, but you know, you cannot be 
that weak, frankly, as a central defender. You cannot be out, you know, out muscled all of the time uh, like he was. But it's, I think, it's also a malaise in the midfield. I mean, you know, we're crying. I mean, I, I can, I can immediately go back in my head, and I, I'm thinking Michael Ballack, Michael Essien. You know, you have players like that in our midfield. Once upon a time, who, who very much had a "thou shalt not pass" attitude. Uh, and and I think the point Liam makes there is an exceptional one. It's not just the defence of the midfield too, but physicality is an issue, isn't it, for this side? And it, but it's, it's, this is not a new thing. This has been going on since Roman decided to make us Barcelona light, didn't he? I think it's become. It was very relevant that we we didn't commit a single foul in the game the other day, um, yeah. which because uh, we don't we're lacking in the physical side. And what we've said has been um, that why did they get rid of Ampadu? Had one of the strongest tackles of any. Yeah. Of any of the youth and now particularly since Leipzig is his Leipzig isn't he that he's not actually he hasn't been getting into the first team I think has that been rectified has he been getting a few games I don't know but but that he's cut he came on a couple of times I'm not my information isn't up to date as of this weekend but he did make his um, debut his Bundesliga debut a couple of weeks back and he's been getting a few more minutes I think he made his first start about a week or two ago you wonder whether or not he would have been in this current climate he'd have been nurtured at the and the, by the success of all the other youth around him, and then um, would have would have come to the fore in the same way as the others have done. But uh, we'll we'll never know. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't. I have to say, I don't think it was complete gloom and doom. I just think we did make th- three ridiculous um, errors. I thought oh. the, first, uh, the first goal was a terrible error as well because it was like a training ground. It was like a ball goes wide, somebody centres it, centre forward rushes into the box and just knocks everybody over. It was a very Duncan Ferguson goal. In fact, but it was that Christensen's challenge was just very dubious and useless. And the second goal with him and Zuma getting in each other's way was just schoolboy stuff. And, uh, and, you know, Frank will be looking at that. He's made some very obvious noises about Rudiger being fit. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Rudiger come in for the Lille game, actually. Um, well, that's all. Well, I mean, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because I was all very kind of cross about Tamori not starting. But I think... Yeah. What's become evident is that he perhaps wasn't fit. He's he's got this hip injury, which is going to keep him out tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I hope I hope Rudiger uh, is is match fit. Of course, he won't be match fit, but I hope he's fit because he cannot come back soon enough. But I think on that point about the defence and the central defenders, um, I mean, you know, if if Rudiger wasn't quite up to it, Tomori wasn't really fit either. I, you know, Frank clearly didn't have much choice, and that's just a shame. But I think the other issue is 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 the positioning. I'd, I'd be interested to hear what uh, Liam thinks about this. But you know, when you when you you know, I mean, Zuma, I don't think is a left sided centre back at all. I mean, I don't think he's uh, the most natural ball playing centre back you're ever going to find. And I just don't think he he defends. I mean, Grant James was saying this on Twitter. I should, I should, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to read what Grant James said on Twitter. He knows his onions. He's got a gripe about Chelsea's centre-backs. Really don't rate Zuma as the left centre-back. So awkward on the ball, but also not comfortable at defending that channel and usually does it without conviction. Result, a cross into the box with just Christensen there. If you rotate and let Christensen move between the left... Uh, centre back and the right centre back, then it would be better. Uh, I, I think there is there is there is something of a point there because I mean you know Zuma, I know a lot of people don't fancy him too much, but I think I think you know you're a bit of a shaky start this season, but he seemed bedded in. And I mean let's face it, he's he's kept some pretty good strikers at bay this season, you know. So I think, he's I think better and better, Chief. Yeah, I, I think That's, he's okay, but he needs to be on the right. He, he needs to be on the right, not the left. Yeah, Again, this may have been a function of both uh, Tamori and Rudiger not playing. What, what do you think, Liam? Well, the, the example that always comes to mind whenever we talk about 
you know the left or the right being really important to to centre backs in terms of positioning is uh, England at the 2010 World Cup. Do you remember in the in that fateful game against Germany, Matthew Upson played on the left side of defence and Terry shifted to the right for the first time in his career. Yeah. Pretty much, he'd played his whole Chelsea career on the left, and Germany did England with a with one long goal kick <laughs> yeah. um, to open up that game, and and I think it was all born out of the confusion that that both of them had from from being in sort of unfamiliar surroundings. And it it does make a huge difference for centre-backs because the angles are different, the danger comes from different places. Um, And I do agree, Zuma has looked more comfortable on the right-hand side. He's not as clumsy as he looks. And I aware this is not a great point to make after he was actually very clumsy against them. (laughs) True enough. Generally speaking, on most days, he's not quite as clumsy on the ball as he looks. He's just not a very elegant mover. No. Um, and I know why Lampard wants to play him because of the point that we, we've been talking about which is he's the only physically imposing ch- defender Chelsea have he wins most of his aerial duels um, although even he was had a, had a few problems with Calvert-Lewin um, on the weekend but he was on fire though wasn't he Calvert-Lewin he was I think on many occasions illegally but the ref wasn't going to well he's, he, he's got great nuisance value he works, yeah. he works incredibly hard and I think he exploited the uncertainty in, in Chelsea's centre-back pairs. I, I think you were talking about the uncertainty of big kicks. I don't know if you noticed that Pickford just kicked the ball all the time down the pitch. There was no farting around ever. Yeah. Duncan Ferguson route one football, man. But I said that on Friday, Chich. I said the ball's going to be did. kicked up the pitch all the time. And you it did, was. Bro. And we didn't deal with it. And you'd have thought that was the most obvious thing. Where the but it's still, it's still quite hard to deal with, actually, bizarrely enough. Because, you know, you basically can can capitalise on a bit of luck, as in the ball bouncing the right way. A bit yeah, like, there's I mean, a fair there's amount a, of chaos to it, isn't there? You're yeah. Fighting over bit, second balls. Exactly. It's a bit like rugby, actually. You know, when you when you do a, a, a Gary Owen or an up and under... I've been under, uh, and uh, you know, because of the shape of the ball, it could bounce anywhere. So you could be covering it, tracking it, and it bounces, and suddenly somebody goes scores. Clearly, it's not the same for football, but it's the same kind of uh, idea, really. As, as Liam said, it creates chaos. Um, now we we got to talk about Kepa, really. Um, I mean, obviously, the 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 pass to Zuma was horrific. Um, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because you know, Kepa always makes two or three really, really good saves, pretty much every match. And yet, at other times, he looks very exposed, is what I could say. I mean, I, I, I just don't know. I don't know whether he's good enough or not. I really, really don't. I thought it was very interesting what Matt Beadle had to say last Friday, Jonathan, because he knows a bit or two about goalkeeping. I mean, the, 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 if I have one gripe about Kepper, and this might be something that is common with a lot of modern goalkeepers and foreign ones, I don't think he imposes himself on the defence and on the penalty area enough. And... and by that I mean as a presence, whether it be vocal or physical or both, or certainly getting off his bloody goal line and coming and clearing. It's the old-fashioned expression was clearing out, wasn't it, Jonathan? You know, yeah. Not necessarily catching the ball, but clearing it out. Defenders ball the lot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, that was occasionally, you, you, as you say, you'd have, you might take the... Uh... You'd take the striker out as well. It was a, it was a, you imposed yourself. I don't know if he's got that capacity. He's not I big don't enough. I think he has. He's not big enough. And also, he's, it's the modern goalkeeper. If you look at, um, as we said, De Gea, as he said, he, he hardly ever goes out for the ball. He relies on 
looking at the ball being played and plays the percentages of his being able to stop it. And the number of times I've looked at Kepa, he's not actually looking at the ball being crossed. He's looking, if the ball's going to be crossed, at who's going to get it and whether he can react to the ball, which seems a very strange way of keeping goal, but apparently is the... It's the, the current the modern way, mate. It's the, the modern way. way. Yeah, apparently, it's the modern way. <laughs> but um, I think the, the dilemma is is if if you're going to lose concentration so easily, which appears to be something that he is guilty of in every game at least once. You know, I, I my 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 annoyance of that situation in the game is I know we said we were well beaten, but in actual fact, what you, you mustn't forget is we do pass the ball beautifully. I know they were very, very strong on us, but against us. At 2-1, with before that goal, I thought we were going to draw easily because we were still playing well. We play well amidst this, this not being sure about the defence and not sure about tracking people into the box. We have a great skill up front. We have a great skill. We quick. We pass the ball beautifully and quickly and expertly. All right, we don't pull the trigger often enough. But I just felt the ball would end up in their net. And I thought at 2-2, we had the chance to win it. Through the ridiculousness of his not looking at Zuma and just passing into to no... You looked at him. He didn't look. He just kicked the ball. It's 3-1. That's the end of that. You've lost three points. You've lost the opportunity for us to, to get nearer to, you know, third spot, to whatever. It's, it was, it's a major, major thing to be doing these ridiculous passes as a goalkeeper. You, you just cannot do it. And it's, it's constantly doing this. Well, they're it's, all doing it. Yeah. Again, well, yeah, it's the modern it's, way, isn't it? The, yeah, but, it, but at the same time, they, some teams don't do it all as, as, as regularly. As well, we big, dunk, big, dunks, big Dunks Pickford didn't do it. Ever. Well, because all he did was kick the ball up the pitch. Because he that was what Big Dunk wanted him to do. Right. You know. And, they didn't, and they, didn't, they didn't consequently. They pressed for periods, but for other periods of the game, they didn't press and they waited for the ball to, to if it was going um, to come back from the... Uh, well, no, the ball was then kicked up the other end. They're ready for it because they're all prepared to run onto it. It was a, a very decent tactic, as we've said, that we didn't deal with. But I just feel that we ought to resort to it more often rather than this... I know I know the idea is we're supposed to get it and then they've pushed up and therefore they've got less players um, for us to, to attack against. So it's it's better for us. Well, it, it, it takes goal. people out of the game, but also, it, but also it doesn't hand possession potentially straight back to the opposition. Back to, absolutely. But in which, this, is, which is the old, the, which is what I like. It's the tra- traditional English way of playing football. We're polite and we're gentlemanly and we like to share. So we invented the long ball game and kicking the ball out from the back because we wanted to allow the opposition to have a bit of a go and then we could win it back off them and score. You see, well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I blame the foreigners, mate, basically. The thing is it's all that their we, fault. We, we tended to, to win it back illegally. And we also... We? Tend, we? Yeah, we tended to... Well, I think so, probably with a, a little bit of, you know, of hacking Johnny Foreigner. And we also, if you remember, watered the pitch so the ball wouldn't then walk, go very far if you passed it. <laughs> That's very so the, true. Only, the only way you could, you could do it, just had to kick the ball long and head it. All right. And then okay. shoot. And that was it. So, All right. I just want to move on to something you did touch on, JK. And, and I, I, I'm getting very, I think, getting much more precise about this now. Uh, it's not just profligacy. It's not just being not clinical enough. I mean, the reality is we do not work the keeper enough. Keepers do not have to make a lot of saves against Chelsea, which or not enough saves against Chelsea, which is really shit. And I was, I was do you know what? Because I, I was at home. I was watching it on the box. I was able to... Uh, sulk number one in my on my own which I did but I, I watched Frank's uh, p- 
post-match comments and and he dug the team out for exactly the same things that I was talking about. But he, he was saying not enough shooting, too intricate in the build-up, kind of looking for the perfect goal, too many flicks. He didn't say all this, but that was the interpretation. You know, too many flicks, trying to beat the players. But my, my point, Liam, is that this, for me, you know, this is not just an issue this year. This this has been going on a long time at Chelsea. I remember us going actually potty about it last year. We were hitting the woodwork all the time then and I remember it going back before that so what is it is this is this systemic is this uh cultural or is this personnel or what because you know we've got very different players on the whole and what is it I can't put my finger on why this doesn't seem to change I think it's maybe a little bit of everything but the thing that always strikes me is the personnel um decision making in the final third has always been the weak point of Willian's game um, and and you've got to remember he's been at Chelsea all of this time yeah. and been a key, key part of their attack all this time, he's, he's never got enough of goals or assists or actually averaged enough shots um, shot attempts per game uh, for what you would expect for such an attacking winger, he has many other strengths but that's that's always been a little bit of a weakness for him and and I think the, the rest of them, you know with, with Mount, with Abraham, with Pulisic you're dealing with young players uh, and I, I think your 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 decision making is always going to be a little bit more inconsistent when you have guys who just aren't quite as experienced. And um, I think I think that's a big big part of it. And at the same time, you don't have a ton of goals coming from this midfield. I know Kovacic has has suddenly learned to 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 channel Frank Lampard once again. Uh, that goal he scored was incredible. That was a classic Lampard volley, wasn't it? From twenty-five yards. I mean, actually, while while we're talking about him, Lynn, we should we should absolutely pat him on the back because I thought he was he was fantastic. He was head and shoulders our best player on Saturday. Capped off with a great goal, but I think the best moment was when he um he he was getting tackled, but he 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 just wouldn't give the ball up. This was kind of in their th- last third. But he was so uh, tenacious in keeping and skillful in keeping hold of the ball, wasn't he, Jonathan? He had a great game, I thought. Oh, he's become better and better. There was that wonderful um, uh, sequence of tackles that he did that was actually went round on Twitter of him um, being harried by three Everton players and just keeping the ball and doing a step over at the same time and then like coming a street footballer. It. it was. It was. No, he is. Uh, he has been absolutely phenomenal um and um he's eclipsing kante at the moment so uh um who just needs still hasn't quite recaptured his form of um, previous seasons with chelsea um still still fabulous but um not fabulous enough cause we- but because well, I, I mean, you, you make a good point though, actually, and that's a classic. That's a good old J.K. segue there because you mentioned Kante. We just mentioned Kovacic. Of course, the the other key midfielder wasn't playing, which is Jorginho, yeah. and I, I think they went four-two-three-one so that they could basically play Kante and Kovacic together and put Mount further forward. Uh, you know, straddled by the wingers without Abraham up through the you know in, at the centre, the, the diamond of that or the tip of that. Um, We've been talking about this for a few weeks, haven't we, JK? That we, we, yeah. we, we, I mean, Jorginho and Kovacic, I said a few weeks ago, were undroppable. Uh, how on earth can you leave out a player who is actually unique in the game, I think, and, are, and genuinely our only world class player in Kante? 
And yet, how can you also leave Mount out, who, despite his uh, millions, billions of detractors on social media, is actually quite a decent player, albeit young. But he's also, I think, as I said on Friday, he's fundamental to the way that Frank plays because he is the he, he's like the fire starter, if you like. You know, he's the one that instigates the press in many occasions. He's got so much energy. He's harrying everybody around the pitch. He's very cannot... skillful. Terrifically skillful as well. And yeah, he's skillful as well. So how can you leave him out? So, we, we, you know, the reality is, you know, four into three doesn't go. And I think that's an issue. I, I have no idea what the solution is. But I do think that we suffered a bit by not having Jorginho playing. Well, in that, there was a, a whole thread on Twitter about um, we did pretty well when Kante was injured, and that to perhaps uh, trying well, to we did accommodate but trying to accommodate him is causing a problem. Um, but yeah, I, I and Pulisic has has stepped up a notch as well. So um, uh, I, 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 you see, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Well, it wouldn't have mattered if, if we they'd made the errors if the if uh, they'd scored all the goals they set up for themselves in the Everton game, because they keep setting up goals. They keep doing it. They're, it's not as if they, they, we're just not scoring. And I keep saying this. I keep saying that in the first 20 minutes, with the amount of energy they're dispelling, they, they need to score. They'd like West Ham. They should have scored four goals in the first 20 minutes against West Ham. But they didn't. They've somehow got to translate this, this terrific skill and energy into goals. And well, if, let, if they let, think let, they're suffering, go on, sorry, mate. No, no, you carry on, carry on. Well, so I think the final pause and they're suffering, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good point. Well, I mean, I'm just going to throw this back to Liam because I'm going to pick up on what he was saying because I mean, I take his point about about uh, Mount Pulisic and, and William in their different ways, but I do wonder, Liam, because you know we, we do create a lot of chances. We 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 you know do actually have a go, but. We either, I mean, okay, there are the times when we, we, we fuck it up ourselves, basically, by taking an extra touch or an extra pass or trying to walk it into the goal, and that just makes me explode. But there are so many times when we have shots blocked or we hit the woodwork or this or that or the other. And I sometimes I'm thinking, well, is it just bad luck and we're going to give somebody a hammering sooner or later? Or, or, or is there something more going on here? You know, is, is, it, is, it, is it poor finishing or poor decisions in the final third or is there also an element of a little bit of bad luck or, or good play by the opposition well I think when you're when you're looking at things in terms of the statistics which I've done quite a few pieces along those lines um in in the last couple of months you have to remember that like the, the, this sort of patch of first patch of the season that we're dealing with is a really small sample size so it's very possible like you say that Chelsea are just getting a little bit unlucky um and and that shots that would you would normally expect to go in are, are sort of going going wide or going over. Although when you look at Chelsea's uh, expected goals for the season, um, <laughs> I know that's a divisive term. But I'm saying it, nothing. <laughs> when you look at their expected goals for the season, they are broadly in line with how much they've actually scored. Um, I think Abraham's slightly ahead of schedule. There are a couple of other people who are maybe marginally below. On, on the other hand, Liam, there was that wonderful Optus start, which I've now quoted in every show for the last three weeks, I'll have you know, which is that they're 17th in the table for uh, chance conversion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I think that's been... It, it's, it's probably Lampard's most impressive achievement so far at Chelsea is that he's managed to create this attacking system without Eden Hazard uh, that doesn't depend on any one individual and does create chances yeah. regularly i think that's i think a that's point. a really positive sign for chelsea going going forward under lampard that the 
they they are creating those chances and and we are talking about finishing we're not talking about creation um, yeah, that's very true but i i you know i look quite closely at christian pulisic as well in sort of the last week or so and and he is in terms of the way he's being used and the positions he's being encouraged to get into it's it's quite similar to the way sort of raheem sterling is deployed at man city or Mohamed Salah is at Liverpool where he, he's basically a, a forward playing out wide um, and instructed to bomb into the box as much as possible, even more than Mount, even more than, than certainly more than Willian. Um, mm. And he's not quite finishing yet. You know, he's, he has scored quite a few goals, but he, given the, the, the number of times he's getting into these positions, he's not quite as clinical as he could be yet. He sort of reminds me a little bit of a youngish Sterling when he first got to City. Uh, and and we know, you know, we've seen it at Chelsea before that that people can become more clinical finishers. I mean, Lampard himself wasn't the, the greatest goal scoring midfielder of his generation when he arrived. He he became that through practice and 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 through, you know, his own dedication. And I think Didier Drogba massively improved as a finisher um, from from the moment he arrived at Chelsea to the moment he left. So it can be done, and I think that's why I go back to we're talking about young players, and I think you you can expect them to to have moments where they look where, where they look super ruthless, and 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 moments when the finishing just isn't there. Mm. I think that's a good point. All right, try and solve this one for me, Liam. Um, how do we solve this issue about Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic, and Mason Mount? Well, imagine what it'll look like when Ruben Loftus Cheek's back and looking like Ruben Loftus Cheek again. Well, well, indeed, that's tomorrow's problem, yeah. thankfully. But yeah. I mean, you know, I do believe. I mean, I think it's gonna. It's increasingly hard to figure out how those four can fit in the same team. Well, I think at the moment, um, I don't. I don't get the impression it's a problem that's hugely troubling Lampard, just because Jorginho was rested against Everton uh, until a couple of weeks ago. He played the most minutes in the entire squad, even more than Kepper. So. He was getting massively overexposed because Kante wasn't available. And I think in the last couple of weeks, we've maybe seen Kovacic kind of going the same way. I mean, he looked pretty tired to me towards the end of the Everton game. Uh, and that's why you need Kante available to to be able to rotate in and out between those three. But yeah, I, I take your point when it comes to the very biggest game, just, you know, like one game with everything on the line. Um who does Lampard go with? And I think it, against dangerous teams, I still get the impression that it will be all three and either... And Mount misses uh, out. Or, or he plays off the left, which is what he was doing early in the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's the way they set up at home against Liverpool and, uh, and almost the same way they set up against City, although Pulisic was playing. I think it just comes down to... Who... Well, that, that's the other thing that compounds it, actually, isn't it? Because Pulisic's you know exploded onto the scene now yeah. and looks very undroppable himself yeah definitely and uh, you know these are good problems for Lampard to have when you've got when you've got good players playing well uh, th- those are the sort of decisions you want but they are still decisions and uh, I think we'll only really know when it gets to another game it might come as soon as Lille at home you know which which could be a, def- mm. a defining point early in the season mm. who does Lampard want to put faith in and how exactly does he set up Okay, good point. There we go. As uh, somebody on Twitter said once upon a time, these are the scenes we like to see. I suppose they are in a way. Uh, right, JK, um, we should wrap this one up uh, with the big uh, the big issue, really, isn't it? I mean, 
we, we, you and I have been talking about this all season, haven't we? Because we're old codgers and misery guts and all the rest of it. And I've been sitting here going, well, you know, it can't go on forever. We're going to have a blip sooner or later. You know, they're youngsters, yada, yada, yada. Um, well, I mean, it, does, does three defeats in four matches constitute a blip? Uh, I mean, you could say, you know, really, we shouldn't have lost to Everton and West Ham, who I think we are better than. Um, or, 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 you know, should we have just, you know, keep our knickers on and not panic? Because we've also said throughout the season that, look, you know, with a lot of youngsters on the side, you know, there's in, you're bound to get some inconsistency. There's inexperience in the players. And, of course, there's inexperience in the management team. It should not be forgotten. So maybe we should have some perspective. Well, both teams found a way to beat us when we were all over them, uh, I think. I mean, I think because I honestly think the Everton game wasn't as bad as everybody's made out because once again, we're still attacking wonderfully, but it, with with the deficiencies that we knew were there in the first place. And it's this people, some, every time anybody scored against us this season and got the lead, they then, they then shock, sh- shut up shop and, and, and resort to the dark arts and we just can't get through them we've got to find a way of getting through them so i'm not um i'm not duly upset by the whole thing because you know, we saw what errors we made it doesn't stop me from being unbelievably annoyed by the experience because as you say we're vastly superior to both everton and west ham in terms of the players and in terms of the way that frank's got them playing but they found a way to beat us and my worry is that there'll be more teams will find a way to beat us by being physical or or us not scoring and then they just come back into it i thought the villa game was very sort of symptomatic of the way we should normally play which is to to um, dominate parts of the half we should really have scored at the beginning in the first few minutes and then and then in the second half went up a gear and took them to the cleaners because we're completely so much better than them and it's the same with the Everton and West Ham games we're actually so much better but we we w- what really annoyed me about the game was that somehow the Everton game was that Frank m- failed to un- to make them understand what they would experience there at Goodison Park because it was exactly what we predicted on Friday, that they would go at them, they boot the ball up the pitch, and it would be blood and thunder. And you think they would have been prepared for that, or whether he prepared them and they didn't respond. And well, that, they just I, didn't. They didn't, didn't realise. I, I yeah. think it's one thing, you know, saying, you know, saying it, but it, you know, it, it, sometimes you can say things to somebody, but they actually have to go and experience it to really understand, and maybe. A lot of those kids now do. I mean, Goodison Park is a is a you know it's a lively ground. You know, you, you, it's it's not an easy place to play. And I know Frank. I mean, he said in the interview that he, he had told them that. I, I I don't underestimate. I mean, as I said, go right back to the beginning. You you concede a goal early in that particular game. Absolutely yeah. worst thing to do because the confidence just That's coursed sure. through their veins after that, didn't it? So you really and the, think though that they would be prepared for that? That's what I really found annoying. Well, yeah, you can pre- you can prepare for anything, but you can't prepare for it, uh, for how you're going to react. Well, no, but I didn't think that they came out of the of the traps quickly enough. I felt they were they were they were just it's the most tentative they've started for me, and I didn't. But, think well, yeah, but that, yeah, I don't I'm not, I don't know if I don't position, yeah. I don't know if I entirely agree with that. I mean, the goal was scored in about four or five minutes, you know, and I don't think they were too slow off the mark. But what I would say, I tell you what, you know, Duncan Ferguson said this, uh, I think, post-match as well. uh, And I totally get how this worked because, I mean, he'd scared a shit out of anybody, frankly. But he basically said to them, very simple instructions, he said, 
don't be second best to any of any you know you you all have individual battles on on a, on a pitch in football as you know he said don't be second best whoever you're up against don't be second best really simple instructions to a footballer and very uh, easy to execute per se and i think that's what happened and i think that blue Chelsea away you know fierce tackles in your face blah 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 and then they go 1-0 down and then tactically that makes it a very different game so if I know it's a long-winded answer JK but I think essentially I agree with you I don't think it's as bad as it looks actually and I mean I think Frank's point also that we gifted them three three goals is absolutely spot on you know if they bloody defend those properly we don't concede three goals and it's a very different story isn't it yeah completely so there we go. the last goal was just absolutely appalling because it's comedy mate because i reckon we would have come back and uh scored another goal and then possibly even even pinched another one well they, they i mean look here what, what is immutable is that they they will they will live and learn I, I, my final final point on this really uh liam is, is 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 just you know it's not just them that have to learn here is it it's frank too and i think we're, we're approaching a very interesting stage in in Lampard's tenure of Chelsea uh in in a micro way really not not the kind of the the wider context of it all which is 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 his kind of game management in terms of the fact that this is the busiest period of the year you know we've still got a few injuries there's a bit of fatigue coming into one or two players he's having to rotate we know that the squad depth uh, isn't really where it should be so it's a very difficult period for him so it's quite interesting to see how he deals with this and turn it turns it around I mean we've seen for example Liam in the Everton match his recourse was to pick Christensen who is somebody that we should be able to rely on and was found very very wanting so he may have learned something from that yeah definitely and I think in particular this stretch of games every three days it, it will test even experienced managers and experienced squads but someone still learning at, at Premier League level like Lampard um, I, th- I think it is it is a big test, and and particularly when you think back to what kind of player Lampard was, you know he 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 didn't get rotated, <laughs> he he didn't really get rested, maybe for the early rounds of the cup, but he never got injured either. Exactly, did he? yeah. He he he's a player who he was a guy who used to he was the Aspilicueta of midfielders, you know, who who would just play every single game and and was a was a physical machine and. I guess part part of that learning curve is is acknowledging that not not all of your key players will be the same as that, and I think he's already had to recognise that, you know, he has to he has to give Jorginho a breather. Um, I think he'll have to do it with Kovacic at some stage. He had to take his time with Kante because they tried to bring him back, and 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 he he just aggravated the problems he had. There've been similar things with Rudiger as well. So I think, you know, it, it didn't help that he came in with a pretty lengthy injury list. Um, to deal with but when you have when you have a fixture list like this as well it's very difficult to to bring bring back players and and give them the 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 caution that their injuries kind of kind of merit um when you're also trying to protect other guys so rotation is the is the big test for 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 all top managers but particularly for Lampard I think because of his own sort of past as a player and and also because um you know, we we're not still not entirely sure really how much depth Chelsea have. We know they have a lot of players in this squad, but how many players that Lampard can actually rely upon? Uh, the list seems to be sort of going up and coming down every every couple of weeks. 
Mm, it's a very good point uh, and a good one to end it on. Jo- Jonathan and, and Liam, you've been tremendous this part. I, was, I really enjoyed that. Really interesting stuff to talk about uh, rather than just moaning and groaning when we lose, which is uh, what I normally do. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to move it on to part three in a minute uh, where we have our parish notices. And actually, you know what? It's been so interesting uh, listening to both of you that I've unbelievably not kept an eye uh, on what's been happening in the West Ham Arsenal match which has uh, a massive knock-on for me because uh, it's the last match of our who knows wins Premier League predictions or match predictions league and uh, I've got skin in that game that's all I'm saying but we'll talk about that and then uh, we're going to talk about the the more important thing which is the champions final Champions League match in our group against Lille tomorrow. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. Uh, This is the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, I am Stanford Chidge, and... uh, uh, I'm delighted to say I have both Jonathan Kidd and Liam Toomey in the house tonight. So we're uh, excellent having these two chaps on the show. Of course, right, a few parish notices as we always do. And uh, then we're going to have a, uh, a quick look at the uh, Lille game tomorrow night, which is a big, big game. And then after that, we've got a lot of your emails to read out in part four. But uh, first up, I got um, I got a, a WhatsApp message. Uh, should we be very careful how I say this in the context of the Chelsea Supporters Trust, of course. But I got a WhatsApp message from uh, the new chairman of the Supporters Trust, who is the wonderful Cliff Auger. 
One of uh, I have to say this actually, Cliff uh, and anybody who's listening and who knows Cliff will, will, will absolutely validate this. But he is one of the nicest human beings that I know at Chelsea, and that there are few people, and I include myself in that, uh, as in one who you know who, who are worthy to be the chairman of the Sports Trust. Cliff certainly isn't uh, he, way more worthy than I was, uh, and a lovely, lovely bloke. But of course, Cliff, apart from uh, being the chair these days. Uh, was very much the man behind uh, the Brompton Cemetery stuff that we do and uh, also the big sleep out that Liam was on as well. Uh, me and Liam, but not Jonathan, I hasten to add, although Jonathan did give generously, so he's forgiven. Uh, but uh, Cliff fundamentally has been the man behind the food banks that happen outside uh, or just by the CFC UK stall opposite Fulham Broadway. And he, he, he's now doing them before most home games and he's doing one before the Bournemouth game on Saturday. Uh, so uh, please pop along. I think they stay there until about two, half two. You know, earlier the better, basically, is, is what I would suggest. But uh, if you go to the Supporters Trust website, ChelseaSupportersTrust.com, you'll find out what they need because it's a question of what they need. You can't turn up with just anything. You kind of need to get stuff that they need. But uh, uh, there's a Sainsbury's over the road, so it's easy. If you turn up, uh, you don't have to buy it before. Just nip over to Sainsbury's, go and get a few things, you know, like the old tin of uh, rice or whatever, I I don't know what's on the list. I haven't looked at it recently. But uh, check the Trust website out. Go to Sainsbury's. Bring back a bag of food. Give it to Cliff. And your, your, your reward will be in heaven. And your soul will be pure. And you will feel better for it. And it's a very sad state of affairs that you need one in Hammersmith and Fulham, which is where it ends up going. But there you go. Um... Sorry, Jonathan, was that a cough or was, a, was that an intervention? It was a cough. Okay, fair enough. Um, do feel free to intervene at any time you like. You know me. Um, right, this is a brilliant one. Um, and it's from a lovely guy called Harsh, who Jonathan and I know because he's he's written in here before. Harsh Ratod from India. And he says, guys, this is the first time I'm doing this and I would love if any of you could help. I'm working with uh, Chirag, uh, C-H-I-R-A-G, uh, an NGO, working in education, health, and so on. And they run a school for underprivileged kids in the, I think that's Kumaon region of Atarakand. I'm going all out in Brazil here. Atarakand. Would you say, Jonathan? Atarakand. <laughs> Very good. And is that Kumaon? Come on. Okay, come brilliant. On, come on, come on. Okay, okay, it's in India, but anyway, the school focuses. Harsh is probably absolutely wetting his pants listening to us. Completely uh, balls up his uh, the, the the regions he's talking about. Anyway, the school focuses not just on academics or academia, but also making the kids aware of social, physical, emotional, and environmental issues. And he says, "I'm helping them raise funds for the school to continue operations until 2021." Just imagine that he's raising funds to keep the school going. Unbelievable that they have to be so hand-to-mouth. Anyway, uh, he's there, he then adds, if you want some entertainment value as well, you can watch me huff and puff for 10 kilometres in the Mumbai Marathon on the 19th of January 2020. It would mean a lot to the kids if you could contribute in any way possible. The link to the campaign about the school and the donation page is www.unitedwaymumbai.org forward slash TMM hyphen fundraiser hyphen 13302. Uh, I have retweeted this on the Chelsea Fancast account, so you can have a look there. Uh, but anyway, please feel free to contact Harsh for any queries. Uh, note Indian taxpayers donating will get a an ATG certificate, whatever that means, probably some uh, tax refund, a bit like our gift aid, I suppose. Uh, you can follow Harsh on Twitter at H 
AR5H29. He's a lovely, lovely lad. One of our uh, long-term uh, listeners uh, to the show. Uh, and by the way, yeah, good luck with that, Harsh. Keep in touch if you need any more help. Uh, Stuart Kinner, who is, of course, an absolute legend, is also very much part of the Chelsea Supporters Trust, uh, has just written a note on Mixer saying, uh, this is related to the food bank, non-perishable, don't get eggs or fresh creamy to see tins and pasta type stuff. He's absolutely bang on there. Right, and uh, last but by no, lots of, as you can imagine, it's Christmas time, so a lot of people are doing good things and uh, trying to grab your money for them, which is always a, a good idea to help those less privileged than ourselves. And there are very few finer, are there, Jonathan, the absolute whirling dervish that is Alex Churchill, who I have to say is throwing herself into this in the way that she writes her articles, mate. Yeah, she's completely wonderful. She has a rather attractive uh, new uh, Facebook picture, if anybody wants to have a look. I wondered what you were going to say then. I thought you were going to say something, uh, another part of her anatomy. As if I would, Chidge, as if I would. That's the old man. But uh, I I was a very, very Wilfred Bramble laugh there. Well done. But uh, she's a very beautiful girl, Alex. I, I completely concur. But anyway, she's also beautiful in spirit. And uh, she's running this thing called Football Santas 2019, which is in aid of children affected by domestic violence. Very terrible thing. Uh, for the fourth year running, uh, the Chelsea uh, FC-based group is playing Santa to children. Uh, Jonathan will be dressing up as Santa Claus. He doesn't know this yet, but uh, I've got, having heard... See, I've got the cottage. I've got it. I'm... You are Mr. Cosplay, you are, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that just, as, the hot, as, weird image just flashed through my mind there, which needs to go. As the original Stamford, yes. Yes. Anyway, it's a Chelsea uh, FC base group playing Santa to children who will be living in a domestic violence refuge this Christmas. Can you think of anything more awful, you know, not being able to be at home? Anyway, any donation is greatly valued. You can donate on Facebook, PayPal, or PayPal them, any donations, to alexandra.churchill at hotmail.com. You can uh, basically get in touch with her via Facebook or Twitter, or even here, if you can't remember alex just get hold of her via me so chelseafancast at gmail.com uh, for uh, bank transfer details or organize to hand over cash at any chelsea game the lovely michelle uh, from gate 17 collared me for some uh, raffle tickets the other week and there's loads of brilliant stuff actually that they're doing in raffles and getting people to bid for uh, andy saunders won a assigned uh callum hudson a doy shirt at the uh paul cannibal's uh, black and blue do last week uh, and he gave it straight to Alex to go and uh, to auction off. And at the moment, she's doing this via the Chelsea Fancast Twitter page. But uh, at the moment, I think the last bid was 450. Now, that was this morning, so it may have gone higher at the moment. But uh, some lucky person's going to bid for that and win it. And all the money there will go to the Domestic Violence Refuge. And also, uh, somebody very kindly has offered to give it some professional framing and protective glass, the whole whole nine y- yards, worth 250 quid alone. So there you go. If you go and follow Alex at CFCGWLB and Chelsea Fancast at Chelsea Fancast, you can, if you want, put a bid in for that. So there you go. Right. Very, very quickly. Patreon, the usual uh, huge masses of love and thanks for all of the people who join our, our Patreon page and donate a little bit of money to the Fancast every month, which helps to cover the costs, of course. Um I'm not going to waffle on about it. You know it by now. But basically, it's patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. You can also get in touch with me very directly, quickly and easily there through the messaging function. Uh, Jonathan and I are still trying to figure out how to post a video on there. It's not easy because I don't think that lets you post up uh, 
the length to which we blather on, J.K. But there you go. No, um, Chidge, we'll have to uh, two two minutes twenty. We've got to do. It. We've got to be more concise and get it in. Right. But I'll do it next time and have it in. Yeah. Early, have it in early. I had to put it on to Final Cut and edit it. And uh, oh God, I put it up and uh, it was too late in the evening. And I thought oh, nobody's interested in us waffling on now in three parts. Oh God. I know. Well, there you go. I, 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 we need to look at that, but um, there may be a way, maybe an app that I can attach to uh, Patreon to give them a bit of exclusive content. But in the meantime, they're going to get exclusive signed Kerry Dixon mini banners, those that requested them, and they will be in the post hopefully this week, if not next week. All right, and the last part, my name is Lisa, as everybody knows, hopefully by now, I'm, I've got a new venture called the Chelsea Special, which is a load of uh, interviews with ex-players such as Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tabling, Ron Chopper-Harris, Tommy Baldwin, John Boyle, John Bumpstead, Gary Chivers, Colin Pates, Paul Cannival, amongst others. Plenty more to come. We've just done one with Danny Harkins, who was the leader of the shed in the 60s and a very interesting bloke. Uh, website is imminent, chelseaspecial.com. Uh, but you can get the podcast very easily. Just go to chelseaspecial.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com, uh, and you can download them. But you do have to pay £2.99 for each podcast because we are paying people lots of money to do this, so we need to cover our costs on that. It's, it's less than a, it's a, that is less than a big cup of coffee from uh, Starbucks or Costa. It's not a lot of money, less than a pint of beer in the cock. Uh, but there you go. So I commend it to you. Follow us on Twitter at Chelsea underscore special. And uh, we're on Facebook as well as the Chelsea special. Uh, and also, uh, as I said, you know, website, we're going to have YouTube clips of them playing, all sorts of things. It's great. Get involved. People are loving them. You'll find out more about that in one of the emails this week. Now, finally, I've been desperately trying to get hold of this. And now, thankfully, Stuart, who's being a brilliant trooper this week, is keeping me informed. Now he knows that I'm about to lose some money. I think that's probably what's prompted it. But we have a thing called the Who Knows Wins uh, betting app that we help to promote lovely people um, basically it means that I, I set up a, a Chelsea fancast league on who knows wins with an entry fee of about five quid every week and a choice of the weekend matches they don't have to all be Premier League matches they can mix and match it a bit and then I invite you lot to join the league uh, which you'll find the link to do so when I tweet it out uh, in the middle of the week and all you have to do is you predict the outcome of all the various games whether it's a home a home win and away win or a draw the one with the most correct uh, correct predictions wins the pot of money because this is the point. It's like pool betting. It's not like betting against the bookies or betting the odds. Basically, we all put a fiver in. If uh, you know t- ten people play, there's fifty quid in the pot, and you win a percentage of that pot. The winner usually wins seventy percent of the pot. Uh, so it's a bit of fun, and it's 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 kind of it is betting, yes, but it's a bit kind of kinder, softer, gentler version of it. Uh, more to the point, we can all have a bit of a chat and a bit of banter in the chat room. So there's a chat room in there, so we can all laugh at me losing, which is what usually happens. Uh, now all you have to do is download the app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then you register an account, deposit some money, and then uh, look for my tweets, which will tweet you the link to our particular league that week on social media uh, and then you join in as many many do a lot of us are having a lot of fun doing that uh, you can't spend hundreds of pounds a day doing it it's purely about the social enjoyment with your mates like we are doing and you don't have to bet in solitude against the bookie and you know what they say uh, when the fun stops stop uh, i never take that advice i shouldn't really say that should i jk it just makes me out to be an inveterate gambler now what i can tell you um <laughs> I'm not an inveterate gambler, really, because I'm not very good at it. Although, of course, last week I did win. I won. I was so happy having come bottom, 35th out of 35 the week before. Currently, I'm tied first out of 23, and I'm tied with uh, Daryl M, uh, Daryl M, M, Good Ship, Jackie Boy, Zozo25, and Ellis, and Parky08, and Paxo. 
So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of us in the lead uh, sharing the spoils at the moment. Uh, and it, as I said, it all revolves on the West Ham Arsenal game. But I mean, I'll just tell you what I, 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 I've done this week. Uh, Everton three, Chelsea one. Uh, that was a big because, <clears throat> of course, I predicted Chelsea to win. Uh, Leeds beat Huddersfield 2-0, so that was a win for me. Liverpool beat Bournemouth 3-0, that was a win for me. Spurs beat Burnley 5-0, that was a win for me, so it was doing quite well on Saturday. And then Palace and Watford screwed it up, because I predicted Palace would win, and it was a draw. And then Man United screwed it up for me, because I predicted it would be a Man City win, and they lost 2-1 to Man United. Idiots. West Brom did me proud, beating Swansea 5-1. Leicester did me proud, beating Villa 4-1. But the, I think this is my favourite result of the whole weekend in that respect. Brighton and Wolves drew two all. And I had them down for a draw. And I watched that and I was absolutely shitting my pants the whole game because that could have been eight all. It was a nuts game. So there we go. So it all goes down to West Ham and Arsenal. And of course, how can you possibly bet on Arsenal to win a game of football? Well, you can't. But how can you possibly bet on West Ham to win a game of football apart from against Chelsea? You can't. So of course, I've gone for a draw. And... And I do believe, as Stuart has informed me, uh, not only have West Ham gone 1-0 up after 38 minutes, Tierney's gone off injured. Uh, and, uh, and of course, the goal was given after a VAR check. And this is what always happens. I get screwed by VAR. So I'm praying for a draw. If, 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 it, if I get a draw, I'm going to win. You know, because I can't be overtaken. And whoever else has drawn, they'll also tie. So you can see how much fun this is. You can indeed. Nobody's saying anything. Probably best not to. Time to talk more football. Right, we've got Chelsea uh, versus Lille uh, tomorrow night, which uh, it's a massive, massive match in the context. We were alluding to this uh, earlier on. Um, I think the first question really for me, Liam, is who starts for us? Well, yeah, and I think it's a a huge question for Lampard as well. he, he's already made it pretty clear that I think Antonio Rudiger is going to come back, which I think is a huge decision in itself. Um, because as much as he can say that, you know, they've had some pretty strenuous workouts behind the scenes and, and it's all been sort of trying to simulate match intensity, you can't really simulate match intensity. And um, especially plonking him into a game of this magnitude with this much at stake. Um, the other thing to say, I think, with regards to Lille is that. Yeah, they're the bottom team in the group and they only have one point. But I've looked at the highlights of every single game they've played and they've they've created two or three very good chances in 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 each one. They are a dangerous team. Uh, and yet they only they only have one point, Liam. Yeah, well, I think they, they they might be less clinical than Chelsea. <laughs> so <laughs> I, think, I think that might be the issue. But um, yeah, so plonking Rudiger back into that environment is a, is a big call. Um, I think he will play Reese James again. Um, because I think uh, you, you want his attacking capabilities with his ability to cross the ball from that side, uh, which may may mean that as Piliqueta plays off the left again. And then I think, uh, I don't think it will be too different to what we saw against Everton. I think he'll look for a reaction out of those players with, with the exception of the, of the tweak at centre-back. I think um, Abraham will, will play as long as that bang on the hip he got towards the end of, the Everton game wasn't too bad, um, and and he'll he'll give Pulisic another chance to 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 get back on the score sheet. And the the worrying thing for Lampard at the moment is that when the starting eleven doesn't work, um, Batshuayi's gone badly off the boil. I think in the last in the last week or two, and there isn't m- 
too much of an obvious plan B. I think Callum Hudson is always still searching for rhythm and a, and a bit of confidence as well. So they, I think he'll stick with the same same sort of players, and uh, it, it, it's going to be very very interesting to see what sort of reaction he gets. What about the midfield, mate? I mean, you know, Kante, Conte, Kante, Conte, can Oh, sorry, does Jonathan and I, we we definitively found out, didn't we? It's Conte, as you kept on saying, yeah. Conte. Conte. Uh, Conte, Conte, yeah. Conte. Conte. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Conte, Jorginho, Kovacic, Mount. I think Jorginho will come back um, because it, he'll be a little bit more refreshed and I think Lampard will want his ability to pick passes, particularly those little floated passes over the top, <clears throat> which Kovacic and, and Kante don't quite have to the same degree. Um, in terms of which one of those makes way, it's very, very tricky. I think you might even say, you are, you either drop Mount or you might even say Kante, um, just because of how good Kovacic has been, depending on energy levels. But yeah, that, that's certainly the biggest selection decision. But I do expect Jorginho to come back one way or the other. I agree with that. I just wonder, I mean, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not averse to, to kind of you know, not playing Conte every game because I, I'd like to see his reintroduction to the side managed because I think clearly, you know, he was picking up those niggly injuries for a very good reason. Um, but what I would also, I think for me, it would depend on, you know, how much pace Lille have got in their side because, uh, you know, at least Conte has the, the pace to get back, which Jorginho clearly doesn't. And I think Kovacic struggles with a bit too, Jonathan. So, um I mean, I, I think I know what Liam's saying. I think we should be. I mean, we should be good enough to beat Lille. They've got one point in this, in this, in this league, and they. I'm surely they can't be motivated. They know they're already going home or going out of the competition and the Europa League. So, I think we can we can afford to 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 maybe basically basically play Jorginho Kovacic and Mount. Surely. <sighs> I don't know, Chich. Well, I, mean, I think we'll win. Uh, I can't see. We, well, we, we only need to draw, don't we? If um... Uh, if uh, Valencia lose to Ajax, um, so uh, uh, what happens if Ajax draw and we draw? They go through. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Should we? Do you want to go through this now? We can. Yeah. yeah why don't we? Because, because. Yeah. No. I, well, just, just to finish off, I don't actually. You know, who knows what he's working out at the moment? He'll have looked at them and worked out a, a way of, of he thinks making it work better against them, won't he? Um, and worrying about um, whether Christensen. Uh, can play with Zuma again but if Tamori's injured um is it does he give Rudiger the chance I don't know it we'll just have to wait and see what he does but uh yeah let's carry on what you're going to do well uh, you you kind of teed it up so I thought you know it's quite a fun yeah. thing to do good old chain again he's I think chain's coming a what would he, we we would call him the associate script editor or something yeah wouldn't we? yeah perfect yeah he, well, he, yeah he can write notes for us and then we don't have to think well, that that would be I'm very welcome, I have to say. Anyway, Ch- Chain, the lovely Chain, who we, Shane, we should say actually, who's uh, uh, we saw in the pub the other week, he says, "In case you find this, he said, hey, Chidget, all. In case you find this helpful, I wrote up a quick what if then case checker for the Champions League knockout round advancement. I'm sure some professional will have this up soon." Uh, like Liam, of course. So Liam can tell us we've got it wrong. But anyway, I haven't had it double-checked yet, but I thought you might appreciate it. Points in parentheses are the points after the scenario has happened. So if we beat Lille, we'll have 11 points and, and gain a point. Uh, in that case, uh, if Ajax beat Valencia, 
Ajax will have 13 points, Valencia 8 points. We will go through on points. If Ajax tie with Valencia, they'll have 11 and Valencia will have 9. We advance on points because, of course, we'll have 11 points. And if Valencia beat Ajax, Ajax they'll have 11 points uh, and uh, Ajax will have 10. So we advance on points. And in fact, we and Valencia would go through. Who would be top of the, uh, of the, of the group, though? Valencia. Right, because they beat us um, and then drew. In the head-to-head, yeah. 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 Now, if, if, uh, if we draw with Lille, we'll have nine points. Lille will have two points. And uh, if Ajax beat Valencia, Ajax will have 13. Valencia, eight. We go through. Uh, if Ajax draw with Valencia, they'll have 11. We'll have nine. And so uh, Valencia will have nine. So will we. So we will not advance because... The head-to-head is not in our favour because we have uh, it, it's basically one-four against Valencia. So uh, we would go out if we ended up with the same points as Valencia. And if Valencia beat Ajax, they'll have eleven. Ajax will have Ajax will have ten, and we won't go through because we'll have nine. So um, uh, you know, if we win, we're through. If we draw, we're only through on one of the scenarios, and that's if Ajax beat Valencia. And if we lose. We're absolutely double buggered because basically if we lose, we'll have eight points. Lille will have four points. If Ajax beat Valencia, Ajax have 13 points. Valencia have eight. Uh, we lose on the head-to-head against Valencia. If Ajax and Valencia draw, Ajax have 11. Valencia will have nine. They've got one more point than us. And if Valencia beat Ajax, then they'll have 11. Ajax will have 10. We have eight points. We're going home. Or worse, we're going to the Europa League. Well, not necessarily a bad thing, Europa League, but you get my point. So there we go. So... Uh, I mean, really, you know, I, has, I hesitate to say must-win game, Liam, but it's kind of a must-win, certainly, if you look at it like that. I think Lampard will certainly present it that way to his players. Chelsea only have their destiny in their own hands in the event of a win. Um, and so that that has to be the aim. And I think there also has to be um, a priority made of getting over this this weird little hang-up of, of not having won at home in the Champions League. You know, the, the the Valencia game was a little bit freakish. They had two two attempts on goal and, and ended up coming away with a 1-0 win. And then the Ajax game was bonkers in its own right. But they they need to, I think, produce a controlled performance for, for, for the first time at home in the, in the Champions League. And and the, the fact that what happened at Everton happened, I think, will make... Lampard even more determined to see a reaction from that group but yeah they can get through with a draw um, but I, I think that that won't factor into their mentality at all they they have to go out and try and beat Lille obviously not going too hell for leather because you are wary of what they can do on the counter-attack particularly to your defense but they have to go to win the game and I, I expect them to do that yeah I, I just wondered Jonathan I, th- I think as I said, it's the first time that I've actually seen Frank looking, you know, relatively pissed off uh, with the players and the performance after the Everton game. And, you know, I, I would hope that, that in his own, you know, idiosyncratic way, he would have got into them a bit and that there'll be a reaction tomorrow as a result of that. Yeah, if you think about it, it's a good thing, isn't it? He knows the level that they need to perform at and they've been performing at. And they haven't been doing it the last few games other than the Villa game where they should have scored more and they were back to normal. If they uh, uh, if they can play to their strengths and get an early goal, I'll keep going on about it. We're always good in the first 20 minutes. And if we can get a goal or a couple of goals, we then dominate proceedings. But if the opposition score, then it just becomes really difficult for us. Um, 
Though, though once again, I'll reiterate, I think Sunday would have been um, so much easier. Uh, Saturday, I should say, would have been so much easier if, uh, apart from the Kepa error. So they've got to they've got to stop these errors, these ridiculous errors, and just play to their strengths, which I think they will do. Here they, here they have it worked out. I'm I'm confident we'll win. I don't... So what, what are you, you going to go for? Three uh, one. Three one. Oh, I heard myself saying three one then, which is not me. That was Jonathan's prediction. Three one. Uh, Liam, what do you reckon? I think it will be anxious at points. Uh, I'm going to go two one Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going to. I I just know Chelsea. They don't ever make things easy. So I, I'm I'm going to go two one with you, Liam. Actually, I know Stuart said three. There you go. Stuart said three nil. I hope you're right, Stuart. I shall. Have a, I'm not I'm not able to go tomorrow night because I've got a client at six o'clock, annoyingly, which means uh, I, I I can't get up to London in time. So I'm going to have to watch it from me armchair, uh, which is never an enjoyable experience. But there you go. Two one for Liam, two one for Chidge, and three one for the ever so optimistic Mister Kid. Right. Um, we are going to be going to cut part four in a minute, and uh, we're going to read out loads of emails. We'll see you in a sec. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast, which has been a lot of fun tonight. I've enjoyed the show with uh, Liam and Jonathan, who have been wonderful as ever uh right it's now time for loads and loads of emails so strap in there's some crackers this week and also ones that will hopefully stoke up a bit of debate amongst me jonathan and liam uh they're all that kind that way inclined this week which is wonderful and the first one jonathan is from jake aldridge isn't it would you like me to read that one chidge i would love you to read this one and i was intrigued chidge that your armchair was a piratical armchair did you notice that you said from my armchair from my armchair it's because i'm in the country i'll tell you what actually very quickly i've got a bit of a dilemma tomorrow because basically we're having a new front door fitted at chidge towers and uh, or, or a front door front door Front door, front door, and uh, we've had a new we've had a new front wall built in the garden. Front wall, garden. I and uh, anyway, so they've got a new front door putting in because we've got this kind of porchway thing. We're kind of like building out. Way, oh, okay. So you know, extending the living room somewhat, uh, and that's where my telly is. Oh. Uh, so I, it's a bit confusing because I'm not quite sure what the conditions for my viewing experience will be tomorrow because half the furniture has been pushed up to one side. And it might might be bloody well. At least the doors fitted, so it shouldn't be too cold. But it might be like a building site, so we'll see. Anyway, I digress. You might be wearing your anorak. I might be wearing my overcoat. I thought you might be. This is from. Let's do this. This is from Jake Aldridge. Very archer sounding name, actually. Okay. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Just watching the end of the Everton game, but to be honest, I've been wanting to write in about this for weeks. I know we have a bunch of areas that can be improved at the moment, but for me the consistently poorest player on the pitch by some distance is our goalkeeper 
To put it politely, I'm astonished by the amount of Chelsea fans who've been getting behind Kepa. I guess you could argue it's kind of sweet of you all in a way, but for me, it was madness, and now it's just laughable. I know the defence has been pretty poor at times, but to blame everyone else but the goalkeeper is crazy. It's got to the stage now where we're even blaming the goalkeeping staff. I'm sorry, but if Chelsea sign me as our new goalkeeper, it doesn't matter who's on the goalkeeping staff. I'm not going to cut the mustard. I know you guys don't like talking positively about Courtois, but the guy was a serious presence in the box. He just let the ball through his legs all the time there. The amount of crosses he would come out and claim in one game would be more than Kepa has all season. Let's not talk about age or height. It's clear that whatever the issue is, he's simply not good enough to be in our side. And frankly, I would rather Big Cab came in sooner rather than later. If any one defender made half as many mistakes as Kepa has all season, we'd be hanging him out to dry. I think the confusion comes from the fact that occasionally Kepa is a good shot stopper. News flash: most goalkeepers are these days. In terms of commanding the box, skills with the ball at his feet, including distribution, I actually think perhaps we should consider signing me. Oh, Jake, it's no wonder we're passing. Can I play next to you? Can I play fullback? It's no wonder we're passing out from the back when you look at his long distance passing. I hope now that we can sign players, we will be as ruthless as Pep was in getting rid of Joe Hart. Sorry, this email is so cutthroat. No, Jake, I've echoed it, but I've had enough. Uh, enough him seven I had in I'd had enough him seven to eight games ago it's getting a bit silly now am I watching another team we are Chelsea for Christ's sake are we really going to keep this guy as our number one not happy Jake well Jake I completely echoed your sentiment so good on you mate I, I don't I'm, I'm sorry I just need to like peel myself off the wall uh after that barrage uh well Jake yeah you clearly feel quite strongly about that uh, I'm, I'm going to pass the buck over to Liam on this one and think about what my response might be. And that's Liam's response. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I... he, he's gone away. No, he's, 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 he said, I ain't, I ain't he's commenting on that. About it. He's thinking about it. Full disclosure, I got, I got like a brief knock at the door. So I didn't. I don't actually know what what this is about. Uh, Liam, I mean, I'll tell you what, mate. That that's almost as good as the dog ate my homework, <laughs> and then 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 crept into the washing machine, and then had to go out for a haircut. I, I shall I shall save your bacon because I've now that's had time to go. Apologies. To, that's all right. I've, I've had a haircut, Chidge. Have you? Yeah. I'm delighted to hear that. You... So have I. Actually, I had one on Friday. Um, I mean, look. I think it's really, really difficult. I think the trouble with keepers is that they, they are, you know, everybody notices when they make a mistake. Uh, nobody notices as much when other players make a mistake. Of course, admittedly, when a keeper makes a mistake, it's it's very, very noticeable. Look, I'll, I'll stick with what I said earlier, Jake. Um, you know, I, I was going under the impression that he's young, but he's, he's, he's 26. I suppose that is quite young for a goalkeeper, to be honest. But the issue I have with him and what worries me most is that I don't think he imposes himself on the game, on the defence. I don't think he clears uh, things out in the old school way. I don't think he comes for the ball enough. I just don't think he dominates that area, which is what I like to see a keeper do. But I do understand that I think this is also, as we were saying earlier on the show, a symptom of the modern way, a bit like passing out, that that's the scourge that is passing out from the back at all costs. Like, uh, you know, staying on your line and trying to be a shot stopper is... I don't understand it, but I'm afraid, Jake, there are many things that I don't understand in the modern game, like expected goals. I just sit here and go, oh, I see. But I think there may be some merit to what you say. What I would say is that I think sooner or later, 
I think somebody like Nick Pope, I think Chelsea should go for somebody who can compete with Kepa, put a bit of pressure on him and see how that goes and see how that plays out. It's what Ron um, said, it's what Ron said, Chidge. Well, I'm with Ron on that, and, and you know, I, I think out of all of them out there, I think Nick Pope would be would be a good acquisition uh, because it's somebody. Because we're in a situation now where we've got Kepper or Willie Caballero. Now, Willie's all right, but you know, Willie has mad moments, and it, it, it's a, it, he reminds me of kind of a better version of Ambrosio, if anybody remembers him. You know, he was just or, or Peter Peter Barotta even. You know, prone to mad moments. So there you go. That's my take on it. Uh, I don't want to be critical of him because I like to support our players, but I, I do accept that we might have an issue there, Liam. Yeah, he's gone to the door. No, no I think you've gone to the door again. No, I was just muted. Um, yeah, no, I, I think there is a Kepper is a live question, um, and 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 it is. It's difficult to know exactly where where he lies because he does make a couple of good saves every single game. But as J.K. said earlier, you know he does have these lapses in concentration. He can be a little bit too casual when when distributing the ball. When I spoke to people in Spain when he when he arrived, um, they were saying to me that he's he's okay with his feet, but he's not like Allison Edison good. You know he's not a he's not an eleventh outfielder, um, and so that. That that's maybe a question that Chelsea need to ask themselves when when they're committed to playing this style. Maybe you have to do even more targeted coaching to try and improve that area of his game uh, and and improve the decision making. Because if you are trying to tempt teams out and press you high, you 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 really need um, good decision makers in all those key positions. And the and the most key one is the goalkeeper because he can see everything that's happening. Um, mm. But the, but the only the the thing for Chelsea is they 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 do need Kepa to work because they've made a vast investment in him yeah. and uh, and 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 you can't really bring someone in to replace. I understand the argument someone's bringing in to compete with him, but if if he's not playing, his value will tank, and and that's not generally the way the way Chelsea do business. They don't they don't like to uh, to sell players when their when their value is is low. They are they are invested in Kepa's long term success. Mm. And uh, and uh, and I think they they're going to have to maybe get creative and, and think of different ways to to try and do that. I mean, you know, one of the things that occurs to me is is you know keepers sometimes are very prey, you know, fall victim to massive, you know, crashes in confidence, and sometimes it's 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 advisable to you know keep them out the firing line for a while. I mean, you know, United did that with De Gea or De Gea or however you want to pronounce his name. Uh, I've seen it happen before. I wonder if that might be a good idea. But also, I, I wonder if a change in the goalkeeping coach might help. And uh, maybe that's why Frank's so keen on getting Shea given. Anyway, watch this space. Right, next email is from Ben Short. Now, Jonathan and I and Clayton had the delight of uh, Ben's company in a figurative sense when he phoned up to the Love Sports Show, funnily enough, talking exactly about Kepper. I wonder what this email could be about. Anyway, dear Chidge and Jonathan, how are you guys? Well, I hope. I wanted to start off by talking about my call into the Love Sports Show. Firstly, how great it was to actually talk to you both. I will admit I was quite nervous when they put me through, not only because it was my first time on the radio, but also talking to you guys. I had a fanboy moment. Silly, I know. Yes, very silly. It's only us, for God's sake. But uh, I can understand about being nervous talking on the radio. It, it, it can be. It's live radio, going out to the millions and my mum. 
anyway, a lot of the call was based around Kepper. I don't want to come across as anti-Kepper because I do think uh, that Kepper is a good keeper, but I do have my concerns. The examples I would like to mention, hopefully, will help get my points across. The first one was in our game against Saints, where we won 4-1. Danny Ings did score for Saints. Watching that goal, I feel that Kepper's positioning could have been much better and more central. When Ings hit the ball, it wasn't going at 100 miles an hour. The ball was travelling quite slow into compar- in comparison to other shots. Second, the Ajax game now. He was defeated by a cross and Donny van der Beek's goal while he just watched it go in. Thirdly, the Valencia game. Again defeated by a cross and he half-jumped and pulled his arms down. Could he have got his hands to it? Guess we'll never know. I think certainly a couple of those goals. I think he he got exonerated for. But anyway, lastly, the Aston Villa goal. He was a spectator. Kepper always passes dangerous balls in and around our penalty area. It's as if he switches off and just kicks the ball away from himself. It would be unfair. It did look like that. It would be unfair for me to uh, not to mention uh, his great penalty save, his save at the death against Watford and the one against Villa. Now he's clearly a good keeper, but for seventy-one million pounds. Do we not want better than, than good, uh, better than good? The other point I think I made was he needs competition in goal for us because with the greatest respect to Willie, we all know he, who's number one in the squad at the moment. He needs to look over his shoulder in training at the other keeper and say to himself, OK, he could easily start and step in. I need to raise my game. Nick Pope is an obvious and realistic choice. He's 27, two years older than Kepper, and he's having a great season, hitting his prime, I feel. Matt said on Love Sport that if Nick Pope went to Chelsea, it could jeopardise his spot for England's number one. I disagree completely. Chelsea are a bigger club and we would make him better and Chelsea play the way I think Southgate wants to play. I hope Kepper does, inferring that Burnley don't of course, I hope Kepper does convince me I want him to be great for us as I do every Chelsea player. Time will tell with him. I hope I didn't upset Clayton too much because I honestly have nothing but respect for everyone on the show. Clayton was absolutely right when he said we can't make signings like Drinkwater and Zappacosta. I would throw Bakayoko in there too. That's the difficulty with the January window. A lot of potential to panic by where I have never wanted it to be lifted early. Jonathan, you must forgive me uh, for mentioning Flushed Away and the Harry Potter games, but I used to play the games as a kid, so your voice has been part of my life for much longer than I realised. I only meant to compliment you. I could have stayed on the phone to you guys all night. I was grinning ear to ear the whole call. It was brilliant. I was buzzing after the call and said to my other half, I've just spoken to Chidgen Jonathan. And she looked at me in bewilderment and said, who the hell is Chidgen Jonathan? <laughs> funnily, enough, uh, funnily enough, Ben, that's what my wife says to me. Uh, but there you go. I was, I was shocked as, as to me, you guys are celebrities. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, now, everything I wrote before this part was written before the Everton game and everything from now was written after. On to the Everton game. And I so wish I could stop talking about Kepper. I'm trying my hardest not to single him out. The first Everton goal was a header just outside the six-yard box and pretty much straight at him. He sort of half-stretched out his arm to attempt to save. No dive or real stretch at it. The second, I don't think, was his fault. Zuma miskicked it. Should have cleared it. But the third goal just reinforces my points in the first half. Who on earth was he passing it to? In the general direction of a black shirt? He was off his line, didn't react and got nutmegged. Poor, not a £71 million keeper. I don't know if you noticed Frank's face, but he looked angry and frustrated. The whole team was poor. Everton, before they played us, people were talking how, they, uh, how they're in a relegation battle. The only player worth his wage on Saturday was Kovacic with a great performance. Something else I'm noticing is we're not playing it in early enough for Tammy. I lost count... Oh, absolutely. I lost count of the amount of times we had the ball on the wing. Tammy makes a quick run, makes the space, and we just pass it back. The service for Tammy needs to be quicker. 
a first time cross soon as he as soon as he makes the space in the box which he did loads of times on saturday also why does every one of our crosses hit the first man in the box Honestly, Ben, there are there are uh, you know people in the uh, the Nobel Nobel Prize winning academy uh, for uh, but you know high intelligence trying to work that one out, mate. Anyway, it's as if we can't get it high enough. Tammy is six foot four, for goodness sake. It was pass, 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 pass when it needed to be shoot, shoot, shoot. I'm quite frustrated at the game, and Kepper, maybe it's a confidence thing with him. I don't mean to sound blasé, but go and sign Pope or someone who can really challenge for our number one spot, because to be frank, Kepper isn't making it difficult to be challenged. Right, let's move on from Saturday. We'll have Lille at home on Tuesday. In truth, a must-win game. With the transfer ban being lifted, we need to qualify for the next round of the Champions League to attract players, for example, Ben Chilwell. Uh, An attraction for him could be Champions League football. Uh, this season, although I think Leicester will qualify for the Champions League next season. It's a stretch, I know, but just an example of why we need quality and not sign bit part players. Gents, I apologise if this email has dragged on. I just believe we have an issue in goal and feel it's not being addressed properly, but this is the season of patience after all. Chidge, Jonathan, whoever else is on the show, delight as as always to listen and thank you for being a big part of my footballing world. I hope you have had a great weekend. Ever faithful, Ben. What a a cracking uh, email from Ben, who's in Mixler at the moment, actually. It was was brilliant to talk to him on Friday, wasn't it, Jonathan? That was great. In fact, I wasn't defended at all, Ben. No. He was was delighted. He really was, Ben. The more people who talk about my career, the better, because I'm anonymous and uh, and invisible. So ring up again and just go through my CV, and that would be fantastic. Thank you so much. Normally, Jonathan pays people to do that. I I thought what was was fantastic, what you don't know, Ben, because you were probably just getting off the phone, but after that, the conversation carried on, and Matt Beadle's absolutely just astonished, and he he, he threw to that break, uh, basically saying... You know, you're listening to the Chelsea fan, fan show. There is there is no other fan show quite like this, and that's what he meant. Where else would you get somebody phoning up and saying that they listen or, or listen to Jonathan's voice on Assassin's Creed or whatever it was? <laughs> so there you go. I mean, that's what makes us what we are. Uh, I, I think we've com- commented a lot on the uh, a lot of the points that uh, Ben raises, so I won't go into them again unless Liam is burning to to, to say something on the back of that. No, I think we've we've discussed Kepper. Um, he's I think this season will be, you know, Lampard forming judgments on on a lot of players in a lot of different areas of his squad, and I think Kepper is is certainly a part of that. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, you've got the next one. Can I can I give Rom the last word on Kepper? Yeah, that Kepper. He's not a proper keeper. There we are. Thank you very much. Um, this is from uh, email three, Alex Davidson. Lord Chidgeworthiness of Stamford. <laughs> My Brilliant. goodness me. Shall I read this like that? There's another great Chelsea special. If you're Lord Chidgeworthiness of Stamford, perhaps we need this voice. Um, sounding a bit like Margaret Thatcher. Bloody hell. Um, another great Chelsea special. Bumstead was as wonderful as Pate's. I love when you asked if he ever thought about leaving CFC during the chaos. Never. How could I? Where would I go? Chelsea was my home. Been there since I was a kid all I'd ever known. I'm paraphrasing, but he captured exactly what we fans felt so acutely at the time. When I was on my knees in psychotic agony after another of Chelsea's relegations, my mum lovingly suggested maybe I should switch allegiance to a team that didn't cause me so much grief. Can I say that, Alex, that's exactly what my mum said to me. Absolutely. (laughs) Perhaps this mother's said this all over London. Probably at the same time. At the same time, yes. 
as we were groveling and crying out for some non-existent yeah. deity, help me, or maybe stop following football altogether. Now, my mother never said that. All I could reply was, infidel, keep that up, and I'm calling social service people. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I overreacted, but I don't think so. What is particularly heartening for us fans is to know it's not just a paycheck to the players. They really do care and feel the pain as much as we do and want to put it right, rather than leave and pretend they had nothing to do with it. Bumstead, like Pates, was very honest about the team's flaws. It's because of players like them that our love intensified during the dark times. And let me just say that Bumstead was loved because he, he never gave up. He just made, it was effort, effort and running. That's why you loved him. He was always there for that anyway. Next, how dare you cane St. Abraham for his restraint after scoring versus Villa? Why? Two reasons. First, Villa gave him the platform last season to show Chelsea what they're missing. If he hadn't gone on loan to a decent team and not been able to show his talents, how could he become Chelsea's top striker this season? So he's grateful for that. And second, the club and the fan base showed him a lot of love and embraced him. His quality got them promoted. They'll always love him for that. So he showed some respect after he scored. Same way Frank did when he scored for City versus Chelsea a few years back. Should Chelsea play Real Madrid in the near future and Hazard scores, I hope he would skip the knee slide too. Next, I'll say it again. CFC do not buy in January. That's an order. What world-class players are available in January? Well, probably a few. And why are they available if they're so fantastic? If Gareth Bale puts down his golf clubs and agrees to take a massive pay cut, then yeah, snatch him up. But otherwise, don't even think about it. I hadn't thought about Gareth Bale. I wonder what Ron will say. It sends the absolute wrong message to the young players that Frank has introduced. We'll be going back to, we don't trust the youth and have no patience to let them develop. Let's buy our way to success. I can live with CFC missing out of the top four this season if it means that this team is allowed to develop, mature with experience and then dominate over the next decade. Next, all Smokey Kepper needs is to be taught how to be a keeper in the BPL properly. Once he has the courage to own his box and to come for crosses, things will get better. Again, have some patience. Also, Rudy's return can't come soon enough. CFC are leaking goals because they miss his leadership. Kepper is doing what he can for the time being. By the way, I'm laying all this, laying? I'm saying all this having got up at 7 a.m. US East Coast time to watch Chelsea get beat by Everton. Every dog has its day. They will learn from days like that. You have to concentrate for the whole 90 plus minutes. Before I sign off, I wanted to share with you a version of Liquidator from an unexpected source. Yar Wobble, formerly of... Jar Wobble. Oh, so I'm so sorry. So sorry. It's not normally my kind of music. Um, Jar Wobble, formerly of Public Image Limited. I got that right, though, didn't I, Chidge? You did. Yeah, thank you, P-I-L. Uh, no, really, I kid you not. It's actually quite good. He's not taking the piss. Cheers and Merry Christmas, or whatever you celebrate. Ooh. Alex from Boston. Good mail, good mail, good mail. Really good mail. I got just very quickly, brilliant. Uh, Alex, I love the fact that you write in nearly every week uh, telling me how much you enjoy the Chelsea specials that we're putting up. You seem to really, really get it. And uh, I mean, that's exactly why Martin King and me are doing them for people like you. It's, it's lovely 
to have you uh, to to be just so effusive about it. I mean, I say that they're, they're absolutely for people like you. They are. They're for people that you know watch these players play. But I think they're also very important for people who never got the chance to watch these kind of players play. It gives them a, a sense of identity and where we've come from and all that kind of thing. That's that. That was one point. I, I well, I mean, the only thing I would say about um, what I said about Tammy Abram, I was obviously saying a lot of it in in jest when I said I would have run to the Villa fans, dropped my shorts, mooned at them, and then pointed at the Chelsea badge laughing I think I was saying that slightly unjust but what I would say is that he was on loan there Chelsea were paying his wages I think that's slightly different being on loan with one club than it is if you played for a club for 10 years or something like Hazard has or whatever but I do take your point I was being a bit juvenile not for the first time uh, I will definitely check out the Jar Wobble version of Liquidator and I would just as, as an addendum say Jar Wobble is a Spurs fan that's all I'm saying. Right, uh, OK, email four, very quick one. John Marshall, it's quite obvious that this year, and John, I think, was in Mixler too. To- oh, hello, whoa, 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 Stuart tells me that Arsenal has scored. Right, please stay like this for the next half an hour. Talking to of Jar, I will pray to him. Right, uh, John Marshall says, it's quite obvious that this year will be one of stops and starts. While it's arguably the most enjoyable season in quite some time, it leads to games and moments of frustration uh, such as Everton this past Saturday, yet excitement versus Ajax. This email is more of me asking you and JK about your observation and opinion than mine to the following. One, why do we continue to play the ball back as often as we do? I believe it leads to many misplaced passes. Do you Two, do you and JK believe we overpass inside the 18-yard uh, you know, box? And lastly, is there a solution to what you see as our shortcomings in the transfer window thank you both and never miss a show right very quickly why do we continue to play the ball back as often as we do um i take your point but i think that's very much part of their build up play and trying to pull players out of position and try and find space uh i do think we overpass in the last 18 it drives me up the absolute wall it's trying to walk the ball on the net and it's like arsenal and i hate it uh and lastly is there a solution uh i don't know about the solution to it period and well, one would hope there was a solution to it in the transfer window, but I don't quite know what that is. Liam, what would you say? Well, I think the in terms of the risk taking in the in their own box, I mean that's that's effectively what Chelsea were doing under Sarri last year. It's it's a conscious ploy that good teams do to to, to draw the other team into pressing you, to lure them upfield, commit bodies forward, and then you can you trust your the technique and decision making of your players to pass the ball around or through them and then and then you're in at their back four and I thought you know we saw a couple of weeks ago I thought Chelsea did that really really well against Man City but it's also a tightrope um if you if you do give the ball away you give it away in really bad areas and it usually leads to good good chances for the other team so it's uh it's a trade-off and I think um you know Lampard is making the same calculation that a lot of other top coaches make which is that we'll win more than we lose playing that way but it's it's all about the process, um, and just on, on January, I mean, you know, I think Chelsea will obviously look to strengthen a little bit, but you have to you have to be realistic. It's not a great market. Chelsea have always been open to opportunities when they present themselves. I mean, the the deals for Giroud and and Higuain sort of came up at the last minute, um, and and Marina prides herself on moving very quickly, but. You have to be realistic about what you can get and who you can get in January. Mm, good stuff, uh, J.K. Do you, do you have a comment? Well, I mean, what we said earlier, that, and what you said, in fact, Liam, that they they have the agent. They haven't stopped talking to agents in this period, 
even though they had the ban. So they may have s- several people lined up already, of which we know nothing. I wouldn't be surprised if a player sneaks in that nobody's mentioned at all that is uh, a European player. Um, who uh, and Frank will have passed the uh, the rule over it, and I think that having Petr Cech as the uh, uh, the go between will be very relevant this season. I think they'll come up with very good players indeed. I think that'll be the difference. They don't need squad players; they'll get people that are even if it's one or one or two, as you say. I think they'll be they'll fit perfectly. He's after very athletic players, didn't he mention? Athletic and clever. And uh, there aren't many of those around, so I think they'll be um, they'll be pinpointing them in specific areas. So let's see. I'm I'm quite excited by it. I think the uh, the potential is there. It's great because it, it you know they might not they're all they're going to get somebody. It's not going to be there's not going to be like Spurs. Not going to be nobody. You know there'll be somebody there. So okay, thank you. Right, okay. Executive decision time. We've got uh, one, two, three four emails left would you believe uh that would i would say is another good 15 minutes so it entirely depends entirely how you two boys are fixed um uh, uh we could do you have to go to tesco's Jonathan? No, funnily enough no I, I we did a shop so i'm happy with that yeah she did a, she went to waitrose bloody hell we've caught we've, did she really you're living the dream we mate. are living the dream um uh, I'm happy to ring. Re, yeah, we read them. I'm happy to read them. I, you know, if. if okay, you're if, good. Liam, how about you? Oh, you know, fair enough. My wife's not back till ten. So. Okay, so <laughs> Liam's got a pass. All right, there we go. We're good to go, people. Well, I love it because I'd have, if if you'd have both said no, I'd have said fine. We'll do one more and then we go. Okay, but uh, you're cracking lads. I love it. Right, J.K., you got the next one now. I should put this in con. Oh no, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, Kunle puts this in context. Remember, we had Kunle's email last week, and it was a picture of us in the cock. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't see the rest of the email. That's the context. But anyway, off you go. Hi, guys. Hope your week's going well. Kunle and Duran, by the way. How are you, Kunle? Hi, guys. Hope your week's going well. Fantastic job, as always, with the pod on Tuesday night. Notice you read the email opening, but stopped short after describing the picture. Oh, did you disagree with the comments or run out of time? Oh, um, no, Chidge just missed it. Keep the blue flag flying high. Cheers, Kunle. Um, uh, and this is the rest of the mail, is it then, Chidge, that we missed? It is. Yeah. This is the rest of it. Okay. Hope you're both enjoying your Sunday after watching the dross against West Ham yesterday. I don't want to be critical, but I have a few questions. Number one, how many corners will the team waste till it comes up with a different strategy? Well, interesting enough, they, they haven't really in the last game, two games since. It hasn't got any better. Number two, team didn't seem to know how to break down West Ham. Team that camped in their defensive area. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Why switch to false nine with Pulisic, Adoy and Mount? Had the team trained for this before? Or what gave Frank confidence this could work? I, I think that was a good decision, actually. It just didn't come off. Because I don't think Batshuayi would have been able to achieve anything and neither would uh, Giroud. Um, doesn't Frank trust Mitchie? Did he consider playing both Mitchie and Giroud? There we are. When we were chasing the game, I think the substitutions were a bit off. I don't think either of them is good enough anymore. Number five, why is it that Frank looked to be fretting in his seat rather than providing energy and encouragement from the sideline? He needs to understand he's a leader and should not be chewing on his fingers in frustration when things are not going well. I don't think he felt that um, he's not a Duncan Ferguson, that he could actually make it work. Uh, so uh, if things aren't going to plan, he needs to, obviously, uh, what can you do? He's, he can make substitutions, but he needs to. What they normally do is he and Jody come to the side of the pitch. They do that at the bridge and he gets one of them gets the iPad out or they don't. They just they just chat 
and they make a decision it normally ends in a substitution but um perhaps they were both chatting and they couldn't find a solution which is a bit um r rubbish really but it never never know but nothing was working against the hammers who just got better and better i saw a stat that fouls in the match were chelsea nil west ham 16 can this be true it would be just embarrassing for a London derby suggests that our guys are on vacation or drinking lattes rather than competing to win the game. And in fact, I pointed this out earlier. And yes, I think it's actually indicative of the approach we have to the game and possibly we need. I think Rudiger provides that he's definitely uh, likely to go through a couple of players winning the ball, which perhaps is what is required as something a little bit of a harder edge to the defensive makeup of the team. Anyway, I just hope the lessons from this game aren't wasted. Tutors charged Frank and Chelsea three points. Um, uh, what does that mean? Oh, uh, I've no idea. Tutors charged Frank and Chelsea three points. Tutors charged. Just the, the lessons from this game are not wasted. Oh, I suppose he means that that we've lost three points um, because and the uh, we've learnt three points worth of things. We were schooled. Yeah, mate. we were schooled. I'm not convinced we were uh, tutored. No, I'm not. I think I think Kunle's a bit upset, and fair enough. We yeah. hate losing. I, I hate losing. Thanks, uh, Nigerian in New York, Kunle. Sorry, we didn't read that out last week, but it got a bit lost in your uh, your. Pe I didn't see it. So, I didn't. See, I did a venger. I did a venger on the email. It wasn't mate. on the emails. It wasn't on it. No, no. There and you it go. was such a uh, pick. That was the reason we all looked at the pick. We tried to yeah. explain the pick, and we failed. I know, but there you go. Um, yeah, I think you've answered most of the questions in there. Do you think yeah. we've answered the questions in yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I just like just running down. By the way, this, Arsenal you know... are three-one up now. Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, oh, fuck off! Seriously? Uh, oh, fuck off! I hate football. Uh, anyway, where were we? <laughs> How many corners will the team a waste? Pod. Yeah, uh, that's because I'm not going to. I'm not going to win. Who knows wins now? Fucking West Ham. I tell you what, quick interjection here. Every week I've put the, you know, done a West Ham match. They have consistently less, let me down every bloody week. I am never, for people who are playing Who Knows Wins with me will be laughing their heads up because they will know what, what I'm going through here. I am never picking that. I'm never picking a match involving West Ham again. Period. They're done. They are toast. Bloody West Ham. Anyway, how many corners will the team waste until it comes with the. Uh, I think the answer to that is infinite, Kunlay, because Chelsea have been unable to take decent corners since Franco Zola and Graham Lasseau were playing in the team. Am I right, JK? Uh, I thought um, uh, Frank took decent corners. Matter, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, other than that, I think I think we've covered it, really. Uh, I mean, we covered the false nine in the podcast last week. Uh, I think that teams are very difficult to break down when they're solid. You know, it's it's not easy to play through them uh, and not, or, or even go wide. I don't think Frank does trust Mitchie. Uh, playing two strikers together, yeah, I can see the sense in that. Uh, I, do, I agree with you, Jonathan, about Frank in the sea. I, I just think he's not that kind of manager. The fouls we did to death last week, and I can't believe. So there you go. I think we've answered it. Couldn't Always lovely to hear from you. Now, this is my email of the week, uh, not least because it's from Andrew Bailey, who I love with a passion. He's Gaffer's brother, by the way, Garfield's brother by the way. Um, so there you go. And he's in uh, in Melbourne, in Australia. Uh, G'day, Chidge, Jono, and esteemed guest. That would be you, Liam. Just a few words about Saturday's game and the team in general. Firstly, why does Frank feel it necessary to move Zuma to the left side of defence 
to accommodate Christensen. It's a recipe for disaster. This is the point that I was making earlier on, wasn't it? Andreas won one header on the weekend and was beaten up by Calvert-Lewin. The move allowed Everton to force Kerr onto his weak side, thus curtailing quick movement of the ball. In my opinion, Andreas is too lightweight and brittle, and I think Frank missed a trick by not moving Zuma into a man-marking job versus Calvert-Lewin. We were turned around time and time again by a simple flick-on, which for me is sinful. Secondly, we need left-footed players. All this talk of Sancho, Dembele at all, I would prefer a couple of very good lefties to bring some natural balance to the team. That is a very good point, uh, Andrew. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, we played on Saturday with not one left-footer on the pitch. Teams know Dave can't pin- pinpoint a great ball with his right foot. How on earth is he going to do it with his left? Anyway, onwards and upwards, and as always, up the Chelsea. Andrew Bailey in sunny Melbourne. Mate, I hope you're well. Um, I've, I've seen uh, Diana, your old mate, a fair bit recently. And uh, I haven't seen enough of Gaffer, actually. It's about time we saw the Gaffer. I haven't seen him for a while. I hope he's well, too. He's probably listening, or he will be on the podcast anyway. So, uh, Liam, what do you make of that one? I thought a couple of points. We've, we kind of talked about uh, uh, Zuma not being so good on the left-hand side. But we haven't talked about the, the lack of left-footed players and the imbalance in the team therein. What do you think of that? Well, as a as a floaty sort of luxury left footer myself when I play football, I'd like to declare myself available if needed. <laughs> um, nice one. <laughs> I, I might need some time to get in shape, but yeah, no, I know I I've heard that I've heard that raised. Um, it's certainly a big discussion point on on Chelsea Twitter, and uh, I know a lot of people have have said how much they'd like to see someone like Hakim Ziyech. Um, from Ajax at, at Chelsea and he's probably my favourite player to watch in Europe at the moment so that would be personally very very exciting if that were to happen there's nothing to suggest it will by the way at this point but um, but yeah and no, I, I do understand that and I think um, it does it does offer a team a little bit more unpredictability and, and the ability to maybe attack from from slightly different angles I think for example that's why Pep Guardiola um wanted to go for Riyad Mahrez um, a couple of couple of years ago, even when it seemed like he wasn't the most necessary signing for City because he wanted a a left footer who would cut in off the right. And um, it it remains to be seen whether that, that's a priority for Lampard. We haven't heard much to suggest that it is yet, but I do think it would be an interesting one. And I think the the more pressing topic is to have a, a left back, a left footed left back that you really trust to be a starter week in week out because it doesn't seem like Emerson or, or Alonso um, have, have done enough to earn Lampard's unwavering trust so far. Have you heard that story about Emerson, uh, Liam, about him, him wanting out, wanting away? Um, I've heard the whispers. I've not heard anything to um, stand it up at this point, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's true or not. I just haven't um, I haven't heard anything to to to, to suggest it's one hundred percent yet. All right. Mm, good stuff um thank you Liam. that was great and by the way I, I i don't think i've had a chance to congratulate you on your nuptials mate so congratulations oh cheers yeah it feels like a lifetime ago now <laughs> yeah i know i know well i've not seen you much really and we will see we were uh we had other things to talk about when i saw you at the sleep out so uh, yeah, congratulations well done you yeah, all right okay so um it's mine isn't it no it's yours jonathan william clay if you like Chidge, i don't mind i'll i'll no, 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 no. It's your turn. You oh, read it. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. 
number seven, William Clayforth. Hello, Chidge, Jonathan, and special guest. It's Liam! Just a few things to say. I'm not going to rant and make it a long email. Firstly, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> not going to rant or anything. No, no, not much. <laughs> in, uh, in big font. 3-1 to Everton, a shambolic, disastrous and embarrassing performance for the majority of the team, with the exception of a few standout players. Our worst game of the season so far. I believe we've got three world-class players and not just Kante. Kante. Jorginho is one, but Kovacic is on another level on his current form. Absolutely agree. Wonderful. My transfer wish list for th- number three position would be left-back Chil- Chilwell, Teles, Digne, Digne. Did you know that Digne meant worthy in French? Did you know that? Um, I didn't. Yes, um, and it's pronounced Dean. That's uh, they get it right. Funnily enough, they don't get Conte right, but they get Dean right. But it's actually Dean. Um, uh, St. What's that? Season ticket? No, it's St. Striker. Oh, striker. Oh, so I thought centre forward had been CF. Timo Harland Martinez. I don't know who any of these are at all. Um, you do. You know Timo Werner, oh, Eric Harland. Oh, 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 right, right. Um, Martinez. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. For, why don't I know Martin? Who's Martinez, Liam? Martinez. Um, not Roberto Martinez, or is it? Is, no, he's a bit old. Are they talking as a what? Sorry, what position? Striker. 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 Uh, it can't be Jackson Martinez. He, he went to China about five years ago. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. We don't know who that is. Bizarre. Somebody right, uh, might, know, might know that. Yeah. Who does Winger? who does Harlem play for? Oh, hang on, hang on. We've got a uh, we've got oh, oh look. See, this is the brilliance of Mixley. See, they're so much more knowledgeable than we are. I don't know why they listen to yeah. us. Sevman twenty six says Lotoro Martinez at uh, Inter. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, there you go. He, he does look very good, but I don't know necessarily why. Antonio Conte's interest solving yeah. Chelsea's problems at this point. Yeah, and they, no, they, I don't see that. They've only exactly. lost two out of the last 14 or something. Why would he bother to sell him? I mean, ridiculous. Well, he hates us now anyway, yeah. so I yeah. don't think he would. He would. Of course he wouldn't. Harland, who does Harland play for? RB uh, Salzburg. Leipzig. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And Werner? Who does <laughs> Werner play for? Leipzig. Werner plays for oh, Leipzig. Course, that's yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he put winger um, Ziyech, who plays for Ajax, of course. Sancho plays for... Russia and Dembele, who plays for um, Barcelona. Abatha. Yeah, yeah. Is Dembele available then? Is that one of the? Uh, is that a reason for him? Well, I thought I thought Can't, I thought he was referring yeah. to Musa Dembele at Leon. Yeah, well, yeah, the other. Dembele. It could be either, couldn't it? Yeah, I think uh, Musa Dembele at Leon's been the more widely linked. Um, okay. Usman Dembele is like, yeah, he, he's not having the best time in Barcelona. He he has a habit of being late for team meetings, and he's had a few injuries as well. But um, oh. I. Yeah, I don't know. There's a few character concerns about him, but he's he's an incredible talent. Maybe he was getting injured on his way to team meetings, which is why he was late. Maybe he was running, yeah. Yeah, who knows? Um, well, there you go. It's an interesting wish list. Uh, I don't know. I always think uh, these things. It's, well, it's a wish list, isn't it, Chidge? So it's yeah. sort of he wants that, but what are the chances of any of them happening? I'd say all very slim. Well, not in the not in the January. No. That's for sure. No, no, no. Hey ho, William. Uh, William, by the way, he's one of my buddies in uh, in the Who Knows Wins game. So uh, uh, I, I could tell you where if he was going to win some money. Actually, if I flick back very, very, very quickly, he says, trying to talk uh, to avoid dead air while he does you're it. Good at but, that, uh, you're good at I can talk if you like while you're looking. I'll- no, no, it's all right. I, I'm getting very good at it because I have to do it on live radio every Sunday morning at eight o'clock yeah, on yeah, Love yeah. Sport Radio. We're doing more of it while we're, you're still looking. Yeah. 
No, see, William William's screwed, mate, because uh, he's in. He's uh, tied ninth. He's he's got five points, so he's he's screwed. Sorry, William, but uh, you know, just feel my pain at the moment. Uh, I'm about to lose thanks to bloody West Ham, as always. Anyway, so uh, I believe I have the uh, the last email to read. Do I not, Jonathan? You do, Tedge. Which would be our old chum, <laughs> our old chum, Vinod Iyer. Vinod always speaks a huge amount of sense. Uh, I can't remember the email he sent. This one absolutely just got under the wire today. Uh, Anyway, he says, Good evening, all. Trust you are well. We are. I'm pressed for time. You're not the only one, Vinod. And so I'll keep this short. I'll start by thanking you for the great work. On to the football. I understand that the performances have not been up to the mark recently. Uh, Over the course of this season, I I have observed that we lack in certain areas. One, we struggle to play football. No, no. One, we struggle to pass the ball to the final third from midfield. Not sure if this is because of the inability of our midfielders or because of the lack of movement in the final third. Our fit Two, our finishing needs to drastically improve. Is there any player in the team whom you back to score in a one-on-one situation? Yes, Tammy Abraham. Absolutely. Three, players seem to lose focus easily. That's down to the fact that the team is young, but it's not a favourable characteristic. If motivation is the reason for a particular player, he needs to go. On the plus side, it's so heartening to see footballers play with sincerity. I adore players like Tammy Mountain Pulisic, so earnest. And this is what we need to build on. When we get players in, we need to bring in players who are diligent, humble and ready to do what it takes. A bit like them. He, he doesn't write this, but I'm suggesting a bit like the manager in, their own, in his image, really. Anyway, no more prima donnas who need an arm around their shoulders. No more moaners, please. So no Brazilians or Belgians then. Uh, we have enough of them on Twitter and, I suspect, in the stands. Harsh, Vinod, but probably fair. Uh, as much as social media would like you to tell... Would like you like you tell you otherwise we are far from being the team that goes to a game expecting three points this will be a work in progress in the foreseeable future in any case as i mentioned in my mail in a mail last season all i expect is that the players give 100 percent on the pitch that's what i see every time i watch this team play and long may this continue results will come in due course so not quite the short email i started to write as always keep up the great work up the chelsea best regards vinod uh, Jonathan, I, I think you know. I broadly agree with most of that. Actually, Vinod's always very measured. What I love about Vinod is the way he writes such excellent English. It's beautiful. It's, isn't it, it is. It's beautiful. It's like a kind of. It's like a a warm. It flows. It's a warm caress. Yeah, it flows, flows. mate. It's a bit. Uh, do you know what? It's it's a bit like a, a Vinod Coley uh, cover drive. Yes. Blimey. God. Talking of Vinod, there you he go. That's very clever. Well, apart from it's Virat Kohli, but apart from that, it was close. Yeah, very good. Good. Bloody hell. Uh, it, bloody hell what? Bloody hell, Chidge. I was saying, yeah, what a lovely image. Uh, cover drive. Or Because or, or, who else used to make co- beautiful cover drives, Indian cover I always remember Raoul Dravid, actually. Poor old Raoul Dravid was always known as the wall because he just used to sit there and block. But I tell you what, he had a sumptuous drive. He did. He did. Colin Cowdery. Oh, it was a bit before my time, darling, but, uh, but yeah, but, so I gather. Ted Dexter, Lord Ted. Lord Ted. Now, he, he was more of a hooker. Was he? I thought he had a sumptuous cover yeah, could drive. could do, but I always felt it was back foot and across, you know, then past mid on on the ground. I thought he was a bit, yeah. yeah. My favourite shot was the David Gower cut. The, I like the David, I think we're, we're going into a world... We are, aren't we? Should we shut yeah, up? Because yeah. we're doing a cricket yeah, podcast. Yeah. It doesn't take much to to, to move us on to the beloved uh, game of the, the bat, you know, it's Willow. The Willow. On, uh, yes, 
My goodness me, that's time. We've got to go, guys. I mean, we've, we have so outstaged your welcome. I've been very lucky that Jonathan and uh, you've all been very lucky too that Jonathan and Liv have been very, very amenable tonight to you uh, doing a bit of overtime. Anyway, thanks for all the emails this week. They've been, some, they've been brilliant this week, as you've obviously heard us gushing about them. Uh, we love getting them from you, as you know. We'll do our best to read them out. Uh, so if you want to email them to us, send it to chelseafancast at gmail.com and try to get them in by Monday morning. This is a message for you, Vinod, and you, William. Yes. Uh, and there you go. Andrew may have got in under the wire. Anyway, so yeah, get me in in the morning, please, because that's when I write the script at the latest. Uh, sometimes I try and do it on a Sunday. Um, anyway, uh, that's it. We've got uh, no more time. We're out of time this week, but we'll be back at the usual time next Monday when I'll be joined by Jonathan Kidd and Mark Worrell, who I love. The wonderful Mark Worrell. You are. Buonasera. Buonasera, mi amico. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll be looking back at Chelsea's matches against Bournemouth and the last Champions League group match against Lille tomorrow night. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to tune in to the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio between 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock this Friday. Uh, Jonathan and Dan Silva will be joining Matt Beadle to discuss all things Chelsea. I'm off air because it's a home match on the Saturday. So my little rule is if uh, we're at home on the Saturday, I don't do the Love Sports show because i got... Well, it's a long way for me to go anyway. And these boys are so fantastic. They don't need me anyway. Uh, so phone in, join in the show, debate with us live. The number to call is 0208 70 20 558. Uh, and you can get Love Sport on your digital radio or through TuneIn or Radio Player or lovesportradio.com. So you can listen to it if you're overseas. There you go. And phone up like Ben did. It works. Right. Uh, it's also available as a podcast, as you know, as are all of our shows, ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, as well as other podcast distributors. Follow us on Twitter, ChelseaFanCast, me at Staffordshire, Jonathan, Jonathan Kidd, Liam at Liam underscore Toomey. And of course, uh, our website bloggers are at Nick Stroudley, at Clitheroe Blue, at Dean Mears, at CFCGWLB. Lovely, big thanks to them. And, of course, the fancast regulars are Clayton at Goalie59, Joe Tweedy at Joe Tweedy, Tony Glover at Joe Grocer Jack UK, Dan Silver at DanSilver73, Marco at Gate17Marco, uh, and, of course, upon, once upon a time, at OJ Harbour. If you see Ollie, Liam, kick it in a presser, kick him up the arse, and say, for God's sake... You know, bloody get back to Chid and tell him when you you know free to do a podcast. We haven't had him on here for ages, you know. So there you go. But also, while you're saying that, say don't fire him because he likes writing. For <laughs> Is that a deal? Uh, it's quite a delicate <laughs> anyway. balance to strike there. Yeah, you know, kind of it's like a velvet. What's it? Called? Uh, an iron fist in a velvet glove. <laughs> there you go. A rose in a velvet glove. Was it? Oh, okay. Whatever. Anyway, last one. My name it's is Lee. A big massive. Stephen Stills. Well, Stephen Stills. Love the one you're with. Ah, not glove the one you would. No, that would be uh, a cricket term, I think. It would. Or smell smell the glove, my favourite Spinal Tap album. Yeah, something slightly different. Yes. Anyway, we digress yet again, because it's what we do. Uh, Jonathan and I needed to be in a a padded cell, preferably apart. Uh, Anyway, uh, right, last shout-out. Massive thank you to Dane Whittle, who uh, looks after all of our Instagram stuff. He does brilliantly on there. Do follow us on Instagram if you get a chance, because... he puts up way better content than I ever could. Enough. We've got to go home. Uh, Liam, you've been absolutely brilliant and magnanimous and lovely and generous with your time. I massively appreciate it. And I hope to see you very soon. Yep, definitely. See you soon. Yeah, good one, mate. Lovely to speak to you. Jonathan, you've been a trooper as ever. Thank you, Chid. I don't think Liam needs to be on for another four months now. He's... Well, he's, I think he's done more than enough, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah. You know? yeah com- now, now he understands why I ration it yeah. out, you see. Has it, has it been four months? 
tonight. <laughs> no, we saw you in October. We saw you in October. May, I mean, I'm sorry, we don't normally rabbit along this long. It's just we had a lot to talk about tonight and we had a lot of emails and, and I stupidly put two million. But I did give, I said, I, I said, look, we can stop and we can run them next week. But hey ho. Anyway, I, the, my, on a final note, I've seen that Andrew Bailey has been listening in Mixler the whole time. Uh, so, Andrew, brilliant to hear from you, mate. Really, we loved your email. Right, on that very happy, positive note, it's time to go. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. <laughs> Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.